are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time. Featuring Joe C. Dang. Matt Hayes. Big asses. No. Big thighs. Yeah. Mia O'Brien. Bent over and let it happen. And Leon Searcy. So they were smelling themselves. Oh. How you like me now? How you like me now? We have made it to hump day. Short work week. Closer to kickoff Sunday at 1 o'clock with you, Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome in. XL Primetime. The noon hour has hit. And we are ready to rock and roll. Golf Club of Southampton Wednesday. And on a short work week, you may still be, uh, you know, already plugging in January 2024 vacation days. Where you can get it, get out there and take advantage of a beautiful weather day. You know, we start out with cold weather, and then it just starts to warm up, a little sunshine up above, and we will happily take that, that's for sure. Uh, so welcome in. We're going to talk a little bit about your Jaguars, the latest coming out of the press conference from earlier today, because you've got news about, say, Jones. You've got news about Walker Little, Ezra Cleveland. Got news, of course, about Trevor Lawrence, all those things that we will get into. Uh, and then there's some other news that's popping around the National Football League. Look, I threw an empty cup after I swigged my beer yesterday on the show. I threw it straight at that John Party who was videotaping us. I didn't even realize he was videotaping, so I threw it right at him. And he's uh, already levied uh, a complaint uh, against me with uh, our general manager. And I don't know whether I'm going to be fined or not, but I hope it's not 300 grand. Uh, like David Tepper got. Now, well, Tepper, well, well, well. Let me let me stop you right there, yeah. Josie, because that's three hundred grand. Yes. For a man who makes twenty point six billion dollars, I'm not going to speculate what your bottom line was this past <laughs> fiscal year. Yeah. But, but I'll give you some examples. What's that percentage? Um, if you made seventy thousand dollars, that three hundred thousand dollar fine that David Tepper got yesterday, yeah, yeah. would be the equivalent. Of $1.05. If you made a million dollars last year, because I know you did. You obviously built, oh, built sure. over a million. Oh, sure. I got zeros and commas right. and decimals. Um, and- um, that would have totaled $14.56. That's not even a parking ticket. <laughs> wow. And 300000 By the way, uh, TLD asked me this question, where does the money go? It goes to charity, and thankfully, uh, a lot Allegedly. of people like Leon back in the day would get fined. Allegedly. But go ahead. Allegedly, it goes yeah. to charity. But you know, at the, at the very least, there's some... Uh, yeah. insane figures that may go well, to good. Well, the big difference between uh, uh, the NFL fi- finding a player and an owner is that when, I, when you was a player and you got fined, it was taken out your check. You didn't get the chance to write it. Yeah. Owner gets to write the check. Guess what? He gets to write the check and it allegedly goes to the charities <laughs> or whatever, but then yeah. he's going to write all that off anyway. Yeah, he will. So it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't seem like he got any now, punishment I, I, whatsoever. What, like, what a punk he is. Seriously. He is. He is. Like, like, the, the like, he threw it and then it's like a tough guy. Like, he walks away like he's some kind of tough dude. So we what had a punk. We, we, now, we had our Duval Nooner, one dweeb of our Nooners, check in with us dweeb. and said that. He, <laughs> he's like a little internet dweeb. Oh, I know. I'm going to throw my coffee on you. Yeah, I mean, come on. And, and, and it was, was it a coffee? I don't know it what it was. It looked like it was some sort of whiskey Coke. It was watered down. Well, yeah, if he wasted alcohol, then that's even yeah. worse. It was a complete and total waste. It was. Don't do that. Don't do that to your bourbon. No. But the uh, the other part, like we had one of our Duval Nooners check in and say that he was, you know, buzzed with the person who shot the video and that that, that person didn't really want to be contacted anymore. But that, at least that handle was up there. So they did get plenty of clicks and views and all that kind of stuff. That person's probably so physically hurt right now, they can't come on the radio. That dude should have crawled through the window claiming. and like strangled him. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it, it look, it's hey man, you just got beer on my wife and just crawled yeah. right through the window. Man. An amateur move by a professional owner, really, is is what it was. And and we've seen these, you know, these antics when someone he is gets a mad. new owner, though. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. So he's not used to losing. You know, his whole life he's probably been winning. He's made $22 billion. You've probably been at the top of whatever game you're at. And now he buys a team. He makes the worst decision you can possibly make, which is to give up your next first-round pick for a quarterback who stinks. Yeah. And so it's just a mix of all that. And first off, he's a hedge fund manager. Okay, don't act like he's built himself into something. I don't even really know what that does. He's a dork, is what he is. (laughs) Oh my Uh, god, we had to. He's a dork with billions of dollars. (laughs) What would you call? You're a writer. He's like the next Danny Snyder, is what people are saying. (laughs) Yeah, because he wants to come in and buy. The baton is being passed as we speak. Of worst owner in the Uh, NFL. We had our buddy Dimitri Ravidos on the kickoff show since he's doing a whole in-depth podcast this fall Mm. on Bryce Young and the Panthers since he's up in Charlotte. Mm. And when we asked him to describe David Tepper on Sunday, he goes, well, um, I'll say this. There, there's those who believe that because he was a partial owner in, mm-hmm. of the Steelers, a minority owner, that, you know, he had some influence. The Rooney's literally told him to sit, da- sit down and shut up um, because clearly. Wow. As much know as- your role and shut your mouth. Yeah. Because clearly, if he tried to leverage this Panthers move by saying that he had so much influence in Pittsburgh and was involved in day-to-day, um, no, 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 not evident because uh, I mean, the Steelers, Leon, hello, you could speak to it. Pretty good operation. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't Smooth. Sa- doesn't sound like David Tepper was meddling yeah, de- there. Decades of ex- excellence. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't need his help. Not the uh, Ronies. If you have the cash, you need to have some class to yeah. go along with it. And Shad Khan's a great example. He's a step back guy. He may have left too many people in charge that weren't meant to be in charge. That was probably his biggest downfall. But other than that, he's a step-back owner. He's not a guy that gets emotional or anything like that. He wants to win, uh, and and that all is cool. But this whole thing that came out of it, uh, the fine for $300,000 we mentioned right before the show, uh, give me some draft capital, okay? I'd rather have the draft capital than than have uh, that fine. Oh, you think the Jags should get a draft pick from him? Oh, I love that. Punitive damages, bro. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, punitive damages uh, for, for Duval. We're fighting for you out there. Duval till we die. All right, so we've got the game. Let's at least talk injuries right now, and then we'll get into some of the other storylines as far as the NFL and the playoff picture is concerned. Yeah, so the biggest one, of course, from this morning's press conference with Doug Peterson is the status of Christian Kirk. Um, Doug said that it'll be a gradual process with Christian, but did note that Christian and his medical team always targeted Week 18 slash the first round of the playoffs for his return. His 21-day window was opened this morning. That does not mean he has to play on Sunday. There is a good chance that he doesn't play mm-hmm. and continues to just slowly work his way back to be ready, hopefully for what would be a home playoff game. Um, so that one will be a curious situation to monitor just because I know every doc we've had on our program that yeah. we've had on 1010XL's various programs, including, of course, Dr. George Bari, have said, and I saw this on the NFL Network as well, they compared this injury of Christian Kirk, especially knowing it was the same doctor that performed the surgery, to Cam Hayward's, and that sidelined him for seven weeks at the start of the season. Christian Kirk is having his 21-day window open about four weeks to the day that he had surgery. Yeah, that's... It's incredible. Yeah, it's like, and if they are comparing it, they probably have a little bit of knowledge as far as the actual significant uh, uh, significance of that core injury or the significant tear, whatever it might have been. And I think that's maybe what they're trying to judge it on. There's still a gray area there. Yes, and even though his 21-day window has been opened, uh, Christian Kirk cannot meet with reporters until he's back on the active roster. So, unfortunately, <laughs> won't be able to have any yeah. insight from the source himself. Well, I mean, does it does it fluctuate based upon body mass? Because we're talking about Cam Hayward. You're talking big about a big-body guy, big yeah. human being. You're talking about Christian Kirk. 
a little bit smaller. So maybe that's true. Maybe because of his mass or a lack of mass, that maybe that the, the injury isn't as severe, and maybe the weeks are cut in half because of his body. And this size. is where the the radio doctor pops up in mm-hmm. me that that Cam Hayward he's trying to get past you. Okay, mm-hmm. he's an interior defensive lineman trying to get past, and let's just use him moving out and trying to take on a uh, Leon Searcy. He's trying to generate power from that mm-hmm. core area, whereas Christian Kirk's just using his quick. So I don't know whether that has an influence on mm-hmm. it. So obviously that'll be a situation we will monitor. Ditto to Zay Jones, who Doug Peterson said on Monday and reiterated today that he will do more in practice this week. He is definitively <laughs> in a better place this week than he was a week ago. Obviously with hamstrings, we talk about it all the time with Geo. If you're feeling good, wait another week. Was he at that juncture last week? Is he at that juncture this week? Do they need him in a must-win game? It'll be curious to see how they manage that situation. Doug Peterson was also um, non-committal on the offensive line lineup for what this week's offensive line will look like. He said Cam looked good, not great. Um, noted that Ezra Cleveland and Walker Little continue to get better. So hey, like, and get healthier. So it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see. I would think Cam Robinson's going to play. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't question them suddenly benching him after the performance he had last week. Um, I think that left guard spot, though, is what will be curious to see, depending on the health of Ezra Cleveland and Walker Little. Yeah, and look, the best five, and we have argued or not argued, debated whether or not there is a true best five out there. Uh, I think we have learned that Cam Robinson is among your best five, and mm-hmm. you need him out there, but now it's that chemistry. Well, I mean, we're at this, this particular point right now. We need all boots on the ground. Yeah. I mean, you can rest in all season. I mean, we're trying to win one game to get in the playoffs. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that that was the ultimate goal going into this season was to get this team back into the playoffs and see if we can go further than we go last year. So, uh, difference between being hurt and injured, you had to make that determination because you can sleep in off season and watch the game on TV, <laughs> or you can be in the thick of things and see what happens. So, I mean, all boots on the ground. If you can go and you can give us your all, we need you on the we need you, son. Yeah, I think it's if you can't protect yourself, you gotta play. Yeah. But if you if you got an issue protecting yourself, you sure. play. Be smart. Any mm-hmm. position. Yeah. Yeah. Leon, I think you'll love this quote from Doug Peterson this morning. So our our buddy Mike DiRocco of ESPN asked Doug, do you focus on all the different playoff scenarios? Do you run those playoff scenarios? And he Doug cut him off and said there's only one scenario. There is only winning this game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's all you can focus on. Mm-hmm. Just playing the Titans. Just yep. playing the Titans and beating the Titans. Then you let the rest, let the chips fall the way they may. It's almost like, like as a as a player in this rivalry, can you inside that locker room channel just that? In other words, we've got to beat our rival. That you should need nothing else. Well, you, you, sh- you don't need any motivation. You you hate the Titans. You dislike the Titans. They are your rival. You're there. For, you, they're your fierce rival mm-hmm. in the division. They've they, they body slammed you over the last decade or so, and, and you you got to get some get back. Yeah. And last year was probably the first time we really got some get back was last year when we beat them and won the division. So, I mean, they've been the Texans and the Titans have been body slamming us in the division over the last decade. Yeah, yeah. It's, our, it's our turn. I like reminding people when they went up there last December mm-hmm. and they beat Tennessee, that was the first time in a decade they had won up mm-hmm. in Nash Vegas, okay? Mm-hmm. It had been a minute, okay? A decade. 2013 was their last win up there. And so now you got a chance to double up because this team had – either split series or lost series, never mm-hmm. took the series. Yeah. Now you've got a chance to do that. They did it last year. Now you got a chance to go back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, 3-0 and against the Tennessee Titans as the yeah. Jaguars head coach. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what you want. We probably should talk about the quarterback. Uh, Doug Peterson <laughs> said that Trevor Lawrence remains day-to-day. He does expect him to go in a limited fashion in some sort of practice today. Said he is feeling better than he was on Monday, than he was last week. 
But of course, that was a familiar refrain in the tail end of last week. And as we know, Trevor Lawrence was ruled out on Friday. He is scheduled to meet with reporters today and any minute now from what I believe the schedule says. Um, and so I, I, it used to be that if the quarterback talks, at least you know through the first 40-some-odd games of Trevor's career, mm. if he talks, that means he's probably playing unless he's in the concussion protocol. Last week he met with reporters – and then he didn't play on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, so that was the – So now we really don't know. Yeah, first missed start, first time he did that. Uh, and so we'll find out. And he's definitely uh, proven that he can weather some storms injury-wise. He's been able to play through them. Uh, but you'll find out whether or not a little bit later on how he is feeling. And, you know, we talk about that AC joint in the throwing shoulder. And we'll – our Bari breakdown a little bit later on as far as where we you – know, the significance of it, you know, how – that's tough to grade as well. That's a little bit of a gray area. All right, so let's bring up one thing in the college football world, Matt. We have uh, – watched two semifinal playoff games, both of them thrillers, all the way down to the end. And Jim Harbaugh still standing. Nick Saban exits. Uh, KDB, uh, Kalen DeBoer is is right now, I would think, the, the, the toast of Seattle, the talk of college football in a lot of ways, that he's gone up to Washington quickly, revived that program and put him in this playoff atmosphere and won a big ball game. And then, of course, Steve Sarkeesian had his team right there at the doorstep, wasn't able to get it done. How many times from the 12? How many times? Four times. Four times from the 12-yard line and couldn't get it done. But the bottom line is, is that now you've got Jim Harbaugh, who might be able to kick down a door and become a national champion. He is now playing in a national championship game. He's coached – or, excuse me, he's coaching in it. He's coached in a Super Bowl. And are we going to see him in the college football world after Monday night? No. We don't know. No way. But add to that, <clears throat> add to that, this little storyline that's starting to float in Tuscaloosa and T-Town. Did we see the last of Nick Saban? I'm going to go no on both. I, I, okay, no on I, both. I, I, I don't think I don't think Harbaugh is going to be at Michigan. Okay, he's out. But I, I, there's no way Nick's retiring. He's not. Okay, retiring. actually, when I thought what I thought you said no to was that that Harbaugh wasn't. No, no. Leaving. Yes, he's okay. leaving. Yes, okay. I think he's leaving. I think 100 percent right. he's leaving. Yeah, and Saban, there's no reason for me to think that this guy is washed, worn out, done in. Uh, you can come up with any other example. No, I, I don't see it. I, I see he was able to make lemonade out of lemons at the beginning of the year. If you think about what well, he I mean, he did produce. Just, just think about this. In the last two years, okay, when everybody has said Alabama's, you know, oh, no, Alabama, they're not the same Alabama. They've lost four games. Yeah. Three on the last play of the game. <laughs> so two, two three-point losses and one like you're playing for it to tie it. It's, at the end. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's very difficult to say that he's lost his fastball or it's time for him to go or the game's passing. None of that is true. None of it. Yeah. None of it. And he did make more. If you think about what that product looked like, Leon, in the beginning of the year, he he made something this year. He like at, after that South Florida game, we thought there was infighting. We thought there was trouble. They couldn't. Mm -hmm. They couldn't uh, take down the Bulls. It was just. It was a bad scene late September, and then here we are, early January. Well, here's the thing: when I watched the game against Texas, I mean, Milrose was uh, was uh, not even close to where he is right now. The offensive line was in shambles. They were giving the pressures. They were getting giving up tackles for loss. I mean, so here's a notion for coaches: you know, actually, you can develop talent. You can absolutely, you can take talent that you have and actually develop. You don't have to go on the portal all the time. Sometimes being a coach means that you have to teach. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to process and you have to develop. Mm -hmm. And that's what Nick Saban does. I, I think he's he's reason why I love him so much because he's masterful at that. Just when you think you've counted Alabama out, oh my god! Somehow yeah. they they show up and play a game 
an unbelievable game. I mean, from what I saw them play against Texas to where I saw them play against Georgia is like night and day. Yeah. And that's coaching. And that's why I love him so much as as a coach because he can develop his talent. When five, it's rare that four and five stars come to Alabama and they don't play like four and five stars. Right. It's, it's rare. It's true. It's absolutely rare. And he's had two three point losses and one overtime loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the record when you when you think of you know basically what he's what he's weathered the last season in a game when you think about it. And so he definitely the two losses this year definitely. Right down to the wire, uh, Texas did get the best of them, obviously, and then the overtime loss. Now, the, the, at, what was at stake was him making it to the college football playoff, uh, a decade's worth of performances and appearances in a college football playoff or a BCS game. That's what was at stake, and then he didn't do it. And I just wonder what Tuscaloosa thinks now. Well, I'm, I think they probably think they're very lucky to have him. Actually. Yeah. Oh, they better. I, I mean, I, I I cannot see him going out <clears throat> like this. No way. Yeah. Well, now, now, had they won it all, and you said maybe he leaves, I'd say, like, maybe, maybe. He's, look, I've told you guys this many times. He has nothing else to do other than football. Mm-hmm. And he, move the brush. And move the brush. He, yeah. he, he goes in the offseason, and Miss Terry has a list for him, and he gets annoyed, you know, eight hours into it. You know, I, I've told the story about Christmas Day, when Christmas Eve, when he's having the party, and, you know, he has, he has Kirby call him at his house because he, doesn't want to be there. He's got to be back at football. Mm-hmm. Or how, you know, when he in the offseason, he goes in a lake and clears the brush. I, I just want that's, to put that's it, who he is. I mean, he's yeah. not he is football. That's who he is. I just want to put it out there right now. What mammoth move have we had in college football this season or heading into the offseason? Personnel move. Yeah, because last year, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma and took the reins of USC. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, took the reins of LSU. Now they're in their second year. I thought for a minute there might be a, a, another Lincoln move, but he looks looks like he's locked in in L.A., at least for the so here far. and now. It's funny so you bring far. up Brian Kelly since someone on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures just asked if Kelly to Michigan, if Harbaugh leaves, and that has, has been thrown, potential. It no, has been Shirod thrown out there. Hmm? Sherrod Moore's getting that job. Yeah. After what he did in the three games when, when Harbaugh. He did prove a lot. When Harbaugh was, was out. After you know the the Ohio State game, he's getting that job. JJ, do we have the the bite from that? We may need to come back with Sherrod yeah. Moore. Well, did the yeah. crying help? Yes, the crying. I, don't, I mean, I look at the end we of the day. Had how, how do you not give him that job, mm. considering what he did to keep that team ready to go on track in three big games? It wasn't just Ohio State; it was Penn State too. It's hard to believe mm. that Harbaugh. We always talk about how important head coaches are. I guess as long as you have videos uh, that you can work from, everything's good. But how important head coaches are, he missed half of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He missed half of the season on the sidelines. That would seem to me. Because be- of two separate NCAA investigations. Right. So that's why he's leaving. He's leaving before the NCAA sheriff gets there. So mm-hmm. he's done after this. He's going to win the national championship and go by. So, in other words, you're saying that's the big shoe that will drop because we haven't had one. But I just it won't feel be like a big shoe be because one. I think Sherrod Moore is going to slide right in there. Yeah. So there won't be any more movement. That's yeah. kind of my, my point. Yeah. So, in other words, you wouldn't have. Uh, you wouldn't have like Brian Kelly going there or someone you. else going there and then, yeah. and then the dominoes start to fall again. Well, at the very least, and the only reason I brought up Nick Saban is because it's been you know tossed out there that you could be talking about landmark coaches in landmark spots leaving. Bill Belichick leaving yeah. uh, New England, and I guess maybe Harbaugh would be the biggest shooter drop in college football if he leaves. But we got to play the soundbite from from Belly or I, earlier. I mean, when he I was would just, be stunned if Saban left. Stunned. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. 
You, you Alabama fans, let us know. And I look, you, you, you're happy, you're unhappy. I don't know. They didn't like that last play. They were all sorts of ticked off over that last. Well, play. I mean, listen, going a week, a month before going into the national, the, the semifinal games, we said that you you give Alabama thirty days, give Nick Saban thirty days, yeah, you know, to process your team that you know you're pretty much beat. But when we got watched that game, we even talked about it yesterday. There was some slippage uh, as far as adjustments at halftime to what Michigan was doing and and not making the right call. So I mean, offensively, I mean, offensively, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, that's on that's on his watch. Mm-hmm. Any concerns there? Is the fact that this team got out coached in the semifinals against Michigan? I mean, I I, I don't think there's any question that Tommy Rees, the offensive coordinator, has there there are some issues there. There's no doubt about that. They. They were average on offense. They, but again, they, they Jalen Milrow saved them many times. Right, but you have his ability to, give, to go off schedule and make plays. Yeah, don't you have to give Reese credit for some of the stuff that they did from beginning to end? Uh, I would I, give him credit. I don't. I, don't know. So, I mean, I think you give him credit, but but it's more than just he doesn't. They don't really need to give him credit. They need an offense that's functional that can score points against any defense. Right, right. That can throw the ball with efficiency. Mm-hmm. They could not throw the ball in that yeah. game, and, and it wasn't just because. They couldn't protect. Part of it was because they couldn't protect, obviously. But structurally, what they were doing was not working. It just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they, on the other side of the ball, defensively, like Leon said, he did put them in position. They scored 20 points in regulation, Michigan. Mm-hmm. But what Michigan was doing formationally to the Alabama defense really messed them up. Mm-hmm. Really messed them up and led to those 20 points. All right, so we got that to get into. Uh, any big, big move that you could see when it's all said and done? Will it just be Harbaugh? Will it be Belichick? Uh, how will it all play out? Where will those two go if they do move off of their spot, uh, both of them, to the National Football League, meaning Belichick staying in the NFL and going somewhere else? We'll get that soundbite from him coming up in just a little bit. The Golf Club of Southampton bringing you today's show. Beautiful day, so make sure you call 287-PLAY. You can get out on the golf course. Enjoy it. Don't forget trivia Thursday night and Friday night music on the patio with a very special menu item every single Friday where they enjoy it, bringing local artists in. Check it all out. When the sun goes down, you can still hang at the Golf Club of Southampton. It's XL Primetime. Thanks for hanging with us. You know, if I was going to do anything, I'd put it out there on, you know, Twitter and, and my face so everybody could see it, but I don't. You're saving it for the If I don't do that, then I'll just keep it private. Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. I don't know about all y'all, but I'm going to have to re-up my MyFace account because yeah. I do want to hear what Bill Belichick has to say. If, Will if, he? Hey, won't he? If nothing else, he has finally learned to embrace his personality. Because he even chuckled a little bit along with them with his Twitter and my face. My it's, face. It's account. just amazing because it's in the same 24-hour news cycle in which Jim Harbaugh this morning did everything he could to not have an outlandish soundbite. And up in New England, you have Bill Belichick literally saying, you know what? Take me as I am. I will lean into the bit because I know it's an abysmal season. I know you're all calling for my job. I know there's rumors I may be leaving. Let's leave it all out on the table. Let's go beat up on the New York Jets, who, by the way, will be starting Trevor Simeon by all accounts because Zach Wilson still has not cleared protocol. I think he's still dehydrated, honestly, from that South Beach trip. Uh, It's just he's not the same guy. Uh, Zach Wilson, since he was down there in Miami. Remember, he was originally diagnosed with dehydration. You know, chasing Cougars will do that to you. But Bill Belichick, like, I wonder, and we had this little debate, little mini, you know, like, 
back and forth as to whether or not he should walk off into the sunset or whether he should walk into another situation. His, uh, what's the best word to describe this? His record, his reputation, his whatever is solid right now. Okay, legacy. He's yeah, legacy. Thank you. He's got uh, you know the, uh, a ton of Lombardies and a legacy, but it's already kind of soured just a little bit because he didn't do it post Tom Brady, Leon. If he goes somewhere else and falls flat on his face, then what are people going to be? Could you about see Bill legacy? Belichick being this close to Don Shula and and giving up on it? Yeah, but he's also uh, there's this, no way. I I tend to agree with you, but he's also this close to Dan Reeves and and good old Jeff <laughs> that, Fisher for being the losingest coach of all yeah, time. That is true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's be, the other side of the coin. Yeah, yeah you're he right. could be the goat and the loat. He could be. You know, absolutely. the loser of all time. Well, what is he? What? How many games are you away from Don Shula? I got to pull it up. It's got to be. It's got. He's under four. It's got to be under four. Yeah, because you got three forty-seven and he's in that three. He's in that three hundred three. Listen, but to get those. Losses, you still got to be great. Like yes. Reg- Reggie Jackson Gosh, yes. has the most strikeouts he of all absolutely, time. Absolutely does. It's the truth. So it's in- the truth. You don't stick around exactly. and lose if you don't stick around. How many <laughs> yes. wins are the Patriots at? They're five and what? Okay, 11? so they've gotten three wins since November fifth. Um, at that time, he needed sixteen more to tie and seventeen to pass him per CBS. So you're talking about one more season? Oh, he's got that in him somewhere. Well, that's if that's if he goes somewhere that they're going to win thirteen, fourteen games. Right. Well, yeah, that's a lot to ask. Yeah, it's lot two to ask. seasons. You're talking about at least two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Somebody will find him. Yeah. Or, oh, or, yeah. or or he can go to, um, you know, the rehab center, which is Alabama. <laughs> it could be an yeah. analyst <laughs> for old coaches. That's yeah. what I'm personally <laughs> rooting for. Absolutely. I, I would that. love that Belichick and Saban. Come on now, yeah. that's must see. Saban probably bids to stick around. And you know they like this now. Oh yeah, they're close. He bids to stick around Tuscaloosa Town for another couple years to help Bill Belichick get back on his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that would work. That's just classic. But I, I don't know where he's going because of the Harbaugh equation. <clears throat> that makes things a little more interesting. The L.A. Chargers job, uh, what does happen in Carolina? Is it attractive to anyone? Uh, if you're the Chargers, who would you rather have, Belly or that's Harbaugh? A great, that's a great that's a good, question. Yeah. All right, put because that one out as an ex-poll. Because one guy's hot and one guy, you know, you're saying, is it him or Brady? Yeah. Right. Right, but well, that's Brady. But, that's that, that's been determined. If you ever, he's he's uh, what Brady when he was with the uh, the, the, the Patriots, he wanted at seventy some percent. Belichick right now is at forty some percent. Yeah, it's as something a coach. Else. So you as think a, it's done? Okay, so, so you so, think he's gonna go retire to the boat? Out I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Yeah. I think he wants that record. I, want, I think he. I think that all of all the accomplishments that he's had as a coach and with the Super Bowls and everything. I think he wants to be the winningest coach of all time. Well, he's going to win to do that. Well, he's gonna, well, he goes <laughs> to the right team. At least two seasons he could get it. All right, a- answer the Chargers question. Who mm-hmm. would you rather have? <sighs> that ain't I, easy, I, man. No, it's not easy. I, I would probably want Harbaugh. I, 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 I think I, I would, would lean Harbaugh, Harbaugh, too. I would, yes, absolutely. Because you're talking about a guy that has proven on both levels. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's not like he's a college coach that's going to come up and try and prove something. He's already done that. Mm-hmm. He took his team to the Super Bowl – and was within an eyelash of winning it against the Baltimore Ravens, against his brother. And I still think he has all the NFL concepts and, and cleverness in him in yeah. a video department that's outstanding. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah, better exactly. than Belichick's, I mean, Belichick's video department's pretty, it's pretty good. Too. Who's better exactly. better that's, that's who's better. Who's, who's better? better? <laughs> exactly. Get right that's down the question. to it. Yeah. yeah, that's the question. But who would you take, Matt? Because I almost feel like this is going to be a sweep, See, and I don't it, know whether it, that's it, right it would, or not. It would be tough for me. I think I'd probably go belly because, and I'll tell you why. Because 
the framework is there with the Chargers. Yeah. You know, he just goes in there, and if it truly was Brady, like Leon is saying it's Brady, mm-hmm. like many people probably think it's Brady. It was Brady all along. Yeah. You've got a quarterback there right now that you can win big with, and he's a guy that clearly knows how to win in the NFL. I'm not saying that Harbaugh doesn't. Right. But, I mean, it's you, you have a guy that is basically the prototype of an NFL coach for decades. Now you've mm-hmm. got to choose him or the guy that did a great job with the Niners. Right. There's no doubt about it. Not only not only got to, to, to two NFC championship games in a Super Bowl, he did it with a quarterback that you know, was not your typical NFL quarterback back then in right. Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I would still lean belly, actually. Now, now what about the Patriot way? Do you bring that along with you? Because that's been a determinant, a deterrent of a lot of you players. You certainly don't keep the Charger way. Well, that's yeah, the, the thing. Way. That's, no. that's where I think Belichick presents, if only on paper, the cure to their ails, where Brandon Staley was a player's coach and wanted the players to play free and determine discipline as they saw fit. And Bill Belichick would come in and say, no, this is the framework in which we are working in. I actually think, though, what we're not talking about with that particular situation is the difficult decisions that will have to be made as the general manager in Los Angeles. You're staring down the barrel of a situation in which Khalil Mack has a $38.5 million cap hit next year. Joey Bosa has a $36 million cap hit. Keenan Allen, 34. Mike Williams, 32. Derwin James, 19. Oh, and Justin Herbert, 19 as well. There are going to have to be decisions made in L.A. that may not result in them having a double-digit win season next year because they may have to say goodbye to some of those faces in order to financially sustain for the next four to five years of Justin Herbert. Yeah, I believe you're going to have to blow some of that up now. And is that Belichick? Because he's the yeah, GM he's in New be England? Yeah, he's Yeah, he's going to have to cut bait with a lot of players or have players take less or move on from Because that's they've got one of the highest defensive roster, paid rosters in the NFL to be such underachievers. On yeah. both sides of the ball, to be quite I, I remember throwing that number out to you guys that there mm-hmm. were, there were in the neighborhood of four, three, three, three or four defensive top-paid linemen that were in that twenty million dollar range, mm-hmm. and they had had accomplished so little with Bosa, Khalil. I'm trying to think of who else was up there, but anyway, they had spent some money, and the other part of it is is that Bill <coughs> Belichick has spent some money up there in Boston, and it hasn't paid off. So him as the GM also may have cost him the head coaching job, which that that happened here with Tom Coughlin. There's also a school of thought, which thank you to the text line for bringing this up, that the Chargers already had a defensive-minded coach in Brandon Staley in the previous regime. Often you see teams that say, okay, we went defense, now we're going to go offense. And knowing you have a young quarterback in Justin Herbert, would you say, okay, we're going to now lean into an old-school defensive guy and Bill Belichick and dig in your heels or say, you know what, look at the offense that Jim Harbaugh has been able to lead, not only in Michigan, but in San Francisco, as Matt alluded to with Colin Kaepernick and company. Um, We'll lean into him and his expertise as a former NFL quarterback. But at the same time, I think if Bill Belichick was to say, come with a young up and coming play caller along with him, akin to when Sean McVay arrived in LA with Wade Phillips, that's where I think you open the door of an ideal situation for the Chargers. Because then you could say we're taking the old head who's proven and tried and true and maybe the winningest coach of all time, but we have an innovative young play caller that he trusts. Should probably take Press Taylor. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I mean, here's just the impression that Jim Hall, Jim Harbaugh come, comes across as a coach that you want to play for. As well, Belichick comes across as a coach you have to endure. I just, that's just, just, that's just their personalities. That, that's the. I might be totally wrong, but I'm just saying that just their framework comes across that way. And I, I don't know 
what the Chargers would need now that they need more. All I know is that they're 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 stacked with talent on both sides of the ball, and that they but they've come up short on on too many in Duval last year up twenty seven. Mm-hmm. You're twenty seven in the playoffs, and you you get you get you know get run down. So. Yeah. Uh, so it's something you have to do something with that personnel. You've got to get them to play to their potentials, and I'm not sure, you know, personalities may clash with Belichick where they may not with Hallball. That's yeah. just it, it, it is as simple as that. You have to be in tune with what the players tune into. You really have to know it now because it is harder and harder, and we've gone through it a number of different ways. How do you relate to them? How do you get them get them to respond? Doug Peterson right now kind of. I think challenging himself a little bit. I like to give them their freedom. I like to say, hey, realize your potential. I can coach you, but you got to get it done. You know, all that stuff. And this team just kind of plodded along in December. Took a few things for granted. Didn't play very well at all. And then I think, obviously, they played a bad team, got a good win. He's probably challenging himself a little bit to make sure that he keeps pushing the right buttons. Which, speaking of the hometown team, Trevor Lawrence currently meeting with reporters, Mm -hmm. and he says that he has not done any throwing since his injury on December 24th. He does anticipate throwing in some capacity today at practice and notes that C.J. Beathard will continue to get the bulk of the team reps, but at the very least, he will do some throwing today and hasn't done much of that Mm -hmm. in what would that be? Six, uh, almost, yeah. So you're in that nine-day neighborhood, yeah. and and so you know, we'll, we are totally guessing on the extent of that AC joint injury. Totally guessing, but if he's telling you he hasn't thrown, and the one guy that I can at the very least bring up this year is Derek Carr, who had a grade one AC joint injury and was able to play through it, and basically, I think, what did he have later? Maybe a concussion or something like that. There, something else laid him out and put him on the shelf for a little bit of time. But he was able to play through it. Go back to Bryce Young when he was at, at Alabama. He had an AC joint. It was either a grade one or grade two. He sat out for a couple of games. And so these sometimes, especially for the thrower, cannot be uh, easy to get over. And he's got to be accurate. He's got to trust it. You know, it's like when you go back to your time with injuries, when you had to go back with whatever injury you had to do, you had to trust it, right? You had to. Yeah, I mean, you you have to come, overcome yourself. To be quite mm-hmm. honest with you, you have to put yourself in a position, in a play or during the series, to where you hit whatever is ailing you, and then once you get over that, then mm-hmm. you can go out and keep on playing. That, mm-hmm. that, that that's what most players have to do. They have to get over the injury in between the ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically mentally. And so Trevor's got to come back, and you know what he's got to do, Matt. More than anything else, he's got to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over. Okay, that is a number one. Uh, to quote TC, uh, do not have a callous disregard for the football. And so he's got to clean that up as much as anything. Yeah, and I, and I think it's also kind of on the play call to put him in position mm-hmm. to, like, ease back in a little bit instead of, like, going right at and start throwing second and third level right. throws. So you don't, so you make, don't want to just, see a 50-throw game is what you're saying. No, just, like, make it – like he, he look, he is what he is. He's a talented thrower. There's no doubt about it, okay? But – it's hard for any athlete, and I'm sure Leon can speak to this too, mm-hmm. when you struggle, when you're in a situation where you've been struggling the last month, you know, you need a little help. You need a little help being put in the right position to play well. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody needs that. All these players need that. Yeah, that's quarterbacks, though. They don't do linemen like that. <laughs> linemen, they, you get back there as an offensive lineman, you're expected to pull, trap, block. Well, if you're struggling that. for some reason, though, you're not playing. You're, you're not. They playing. don't cover you up. They don't they cover you. They, they, they don't protect you, you as a lineman. You don't get your O line coach coming up to you and saying, <laughs> "Lily, let's do this. No, let's try this. No, 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 
Whatever they call you, got it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. We're not divas. We're dogs. All right. Okay. As it should be. That's what they'll do with him. Yeah. As it should be. But just going back to the actual, you got to put him in. You got to you got to put him in good position, man. You can't you can't be you can't be behind the chains all the time. You can't be not running the ball. You can't be looking at second and nine every single second down. It makes total sense to go back to what they were doing, and they were successful early. Uh, We did the Campo and Joe podcast yesterday, and Coach brought it up on the show as well. This is what they were doing before. Short, high-percentage completions. make Which quick, can lead to long yes, throws. Yes, exactly. Right. Make quicker decisions. And then, obviously, the run game. And get Travis well, Etienne involved early. I tweeted it. At least I think. Yeah, I de- definitely did tweet it during the second quarter. I was a little hesitant, too, but I did during Sunday's game. Mm-hmm. In the second quarter, when they went away from the run game, I was like, mm-hmm. someone needs to just like tap press and be yeah. like, hey, 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 don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget. And it, it felt like somebody did. Somebody said, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. Maybe it was the guy who should be calling plays all along that tapped him and said, don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who else Who else watches Doug on the sidelines and wonders and kind of, just kind of sees if his lips are moving or not? Because I want to make sure that he – I mean, he is looking at his Waffle House menu, scattered, smothered, and covered. He's looking at it all the time. 100%. And even, so yeah. I feel like he is now, at least it seems like, a little more elevated in what he's looking at. And he's, and he's got to be telling press up top. Look for this. Look for this. And then I, I don't know whether he can uh, say null and void on a play call. It doesn't well, look like it right now. But well, well, whatever they're calling, they, they, they've got to be able to compliment what, they, what he's calling. If you're going to help Trevor out, wide receivers got to get separation. And if you don't want them to throw the long balls and the short intermediate stuff, you got to get away from your defender and make plays. You know, offensively, as the offensive line, you got to make plays as well. Yeah, you got to take the pressure off him. If you got a good running game, that's the best friend of any quarterback that's coming back from injury. So I mean. There, there are components to this. I mean, they, they've still got to play and help them out in some capacity. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Get it done uh, in any way, shape, or form, especially against that squad because we heard what Mike Vrabel said yesterday, and he is trying to circle the wagons and do whatever they can to try and knock off Duval. One thing that Doug did say today, um, we know that by handing Press Taylor full-time play calling duties, Doug wanted to be freed up to help with other areas of the of the operation. Yeah, the team. And he did say during his availability today that he had been speaking with Mike Caldwell and some of the other defensive coaches about getting Trayvon Walker more reps in the interior, bringing Josh Allen even, lining him up inside, akin to what the 49ers did to the Jaguars in Week 10. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Doug said he was having that conversation with Mike Caldwell, I mean, I would think that that conversation would have occurred a year ago as well. But, again, this was part of the goal was that he can help the entire operation. Right. So if he's having conversations with Mike Caldwell, I would hope that he has the final say over what Press Taylor is calling. Yeah, it, like I said, I believe he's fully involved and entrenched in the game plan going in. I just like to watch his actions on the sideline just to see if he's saying, see that, do that, that's open, go get it, you know, whatever. I don't know because we're talking he is – he has that menu right there in front of him. He's folding and flipping and he's doing all kinds of stuff, and I just would love to know how much conversation is going on. I mean, it could be as simple as him saying, let's not forget this. Right. Let's not forget to hit the perimeter. Let's not forget, you know, let's do ISO this, whatever. It could be as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And when your head coach is telling you, let's not forget, you know, Z-trap Y, guess what you're running the next play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's make this a 10-10 take and just pair it up. Because right now you're talking about this hopefully being a success story. But, you know, there are others out there. 
Now, Josie's 1010 tape. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pit masters since 68. They definitely know what they're doing recipe-wise, and they make sure that they get it to you when you are in a hurry. They smoke it slow, serve it fast. Check out Sonny's all over the First Coast when you're craving some good barbecue. So I feel like this is kind of an apology, and I don't know whether we're all going to be in on this, but I certainly know that as much as I was – looking at Mike Tomlin up in Pittsburgh and saying, it's over, it's done. There were even some of his own players coming out and saying, Mike Tomlin, your time has run out in Pittsburgh. Let's rewind two weeks ago before George Pickens did what he did, and it looked like this team was not going in the right direction. And here we are. You know what he's going to do? He's going to have another non-losing season. Give Mike Tomlin, some credit. As much as I don't like giving anything up in Steelertown credit, give him some credit. They are still playing for a spot. Jacksonville obviously can eliminate a lot of possibilities by winning their their game and not having to worry about a wild card. But look at what Mike Tomlin has done. This football team has been in a situation where they should have won probably more than they've lost, and they are just barely better record-wise than Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the 10 10 take. I mean, honestly, Leon, you played for both of these squads, and I got to give it up to him. They're going into the final week with a chance to get to a nine win uh, yeah, and, and have another. Lo- they already have another non losing season. Well, it's pretty amazing. This man has been with the Steelers over 17 years and haven't had a losing season. I mean, that's just the way the Steelers operate just differently from the, from the rest of the league. You're talking about an organization that's only had three coaches in the last 50 some odd years. Yeah. And all of them have had success. And all of them have Super Bowl rings, by the way. I mean, that's. That's crazy to me, but that that's listen, that that's just the way they operate. They operate I told you when I was there, the operation was from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. From ownership to the guy who folded your towels. If the greatness was demanded, it was absolutely demanded. And if anybody fell short of that, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Got rid of them. So uh kudos to Mike Tomlin. I I I remember an interview just last week, Brian Clark was talking about he felt yeah. like Tomlin should leave Pittsburgh. <laughs> he talked he about said, he, he, he should leave Pittsburgh because I mean uh, the the amount of what the lack of support that he got while he while the Steelers were struggling. He said, "Let's let's see what happens when you leave. Go somewhere else." And, and, we, was, and we you know we talk about this playbook. Yeah, and take a look at what they did against Seattle mm-hmm. with Mason Rudolph, and they went up there and knocked him around. Pickens made plays. Look at what Najee Harris did. Look at the amount of yards that they gained stat sheet-wise. Did they mm-hmm. get close to 450? I'm pretty sure they did, like in the urban area of offense in the National Football League with their new play caller. And so he's doing things that I don't think too many people would have uh, predicted after what was unfolding. It hurts Pickens. to be average in this league, though. Yeah. I mean, well, like, you're also- never going to get a quarterback winning eight, nine games. No, you're it's just, just like I totally agree. Sucks. because I don't you know, like he, how that He works. hired yeah. Yossi. He chose his quarterback. Yeah. Some of it's on but him. Oh, yeah. All, all mm-hmm. I'm saying more than anything else is give him credit. Meanwhile, I mean, he's gone through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, and now the story comes out that Kenny Pickett says – I ain't backing up Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I ain't, I ain't backing him up. And he had to fight that off in the locker room. But that's what's going on up there. Mm. Uh, and so more trauma and turmoil, I guess. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Granted, it sounds like the Ravens will not be playing the bulk of their starters. Yeah, but they, they, they I was having nothing. this conversation with Bo Valentine, too, yesterday. I said, there comes a point, Leon, you could speak to this, like, you could say you're resting your starters, and the Chiefs just came out and said that Patrick Mahomes will be among those who doesn't play for them because they're locked in at the three seed. Yeah. You can say that you're not going to play Lamar Jackson. 
you're still going to have to play some of your starters. And at the very least, if they are the number one team in the National Football League, which we'll get to our power rankings in just a second, their backups have to be just as competitive as their first-tier guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, going nah, up against a lesser opponent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Lamar's – Lamar, the quarterback usually doesn't play, all right? Then some of the offensive linemen, you know, depending on how how they rank and, you, like you say, your power rankings, yeah. whether they'll play or not, whatever. But I, I think the mass majority of those guys, they're resting um, for weeks from now when they play, you know, in the second round of the playoffs. So, I mean, I understand it. The concern is always rust, you know. The concern is injury because you don't – a meaningless game because you've got the number one seed wrapped up. Yeah. doesn't make any sense to go out there and put your body at risk and end up having an injury and not be able to play in the play. So I understand them. So I, I think the mass, I think maybe 80% of the guys may not play, but their backups get this opportunity to showcase yeah. their talents. And this is the only time where I'll absolutely go on the rest mm-hmm. side versus rust side. Yeah. Because when it matters most, you need to be at full strength. You may lose a little bit of rhythm, which is what L Boogie and them are de- have, right, yeah. have going right now. Yeah. But I will. Only concern not is this, though. I mean, over the last couple of years in the AFC, the, the yeah. one seed hasn't fared well. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. It they look very well they look dynamite right yes. now. Though. That game will be played in Baltimore, so that's also a factor. Mason mm-hmm. Rudolph and company will have to uh, travel on their sleigh from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh to Baltimore yeah. Town, and we'll see how they do in Baltimore City. But they lost as the one before, didn't they? With yeah, to the Mark? Titans. Yeah, no, yeah to they the, lost um, the, 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 the Titans. Yeah, the one seed they lost the last year that Lamar won the MVP. Yeah, yeah, and so by the way, the Titans either was one or two years removed from that as the number one seed, and they lost the KC. Yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati went. File all this away Mm -hmm. as the Jaguars get set to play the said aforementioned Titans on Sunday in hopes that win and into the playoffs host one team and then potentially a trip up to Baltimore to face that number one seed. Will Baltimore be featured in our power rankings? We run through our top five and our low five coming up in the one o'clock hour on a golf club of Southampton Wednesday on XL primetime. Yeah, I'll be out there today. Um, we'll just have to kind of see how I'm feeling. I'm going to try to do some stuff and then see how it feels. And I need to move around, though, and kind of get back in the flow because I didn't do a lot of that last week. So, um, yeah, I'll be out there today. And just as the week goes on, depending on how it's feeling, you know, we'll see how much I end up doing. But um, hopefully every day I do a little bit more and get ready for the game. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. So that was 16. T-Law talking about how much he's going to be able to do before they get ready for the Titans on Sunday with a 1 o'clock kick. XL primetime. We'll have more from Trevor Lawrence, that cut courtesy of Jaguars.com. Joe C., Mio, Brian, Matty Hayes, Big Surge, and JJ on a golf club of Southampton Wednesday. We're going to dig in on that injury and the rest of them. Let's throw a little that at you right now. That just happened. Brought to you by... Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dueling press conferences between Jacksonville and Nashville as we speak. Trevor Lawrence just wrapped up with reporters. Mike Vrabel now at the podium up in Nash Vegas. He says he does not anticipate quarterback Will Levis practicing today. Again, said it could go either way between Levis and Tannehill on Monday when he met with reporters, but obviously is a situation that we will continue to monitor. He also started off his press conference with an apology saying, quote, it's very out of character for me to use that kind of language. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just Mike Vrabel. It is so funny because he basically, and we played the exchange yesterday, but he kept looking at the reporter and he's like, he wasn't done with his comment. He was just going to keep asking him, you know, well, how would you feel? Yeah, yada, yada, yada. And then he basically lets it go that he, you know, he hates mm-hmm. losing. And I thought it was raw. I thought it was great. And I don't like Mike Vrabel. I like 
Like I like posting that one picture of him picking his nose on the sidelines and say, suck it, Mike Brabel. But uh, he at least has the intensity that you want in a head coach. Yeah, I mean, who enjoys losing? No one at this panel. Oh. Losers enjoy, anything. Yeah, losers enjoy losing. We winners here. Yeah. I want to I mean, know who told him to go apologize and be a little I mean, less abrasive. I, I don't. I don't like to have to apologize. I mean, because I was raw emotion. Bob Kraft told him. You think maybe? Uh, I would be. It would be unfortunate. <laughs> oh, he may be on his way out the door. <laughs> I wonder if Belichick goes and there's all this chatter about if Belichick goes and I guess that's probably more assumed than not. Uh, is Mike Vrabel involved in a trade? There's one more year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I just wonder what's going to happen with him or whether his days are done uh, up there. They pay him off to go away because they're going to have to make a decision on are they breaking that party up? We've all talked about it. Is this the end of the Derrick Henry era? Is this the end of, like, DeAndre Hopkins? He's probably not going to stick around there. It was just a one-year deal. Two or was year it? Deal. it was a two-year. Two and I guess they did that to manage the cap number and they can maybe say goodbye after that. But anyway – we're talking about a lot of big names that they'll have to make a decision on, including Ryan Tannehill. They'll say goodbye to him. They know that that, that he's out the door. Uh, and then Will Levis make a decision on how you're going to build around him. And I think that's the question is, you know, we, we keep talking about the health of Trevor Lawrence, and you want to look long-term and you also want to look short-term with the playoffs. But if you're the Tennessee Titans, yes, Leon, you have, quote-unquote, nothing to play for in this game aside from pride and to maybe hold your rival back from making the postseason – but if Will Levis isn't healthy, or let's say he's 80 or 90% healthy, but we've seen him now get, what, three injuries in three weeks' time? Mm-hmm. He is your future yeah. as of this current juncture. So do you trot him out there? No, not no. Listen, I, I saw this team play last week against the Texans. They packed it in. This whole team has packed it in. And they may, they may be saying goodbye to Vrabel and Tannehill and Derrick Henry. I, I don't see, I initially thought that they would be inspired because these guys might be leaving and they'll give them a little last hurrah. Now, uh, now no. you're now you're solely in the Cabo. Camp. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think they've already folded their tents. They've, that's, already, they've already made tickets to Cabo. I think that's when you really have to find out, and I think that's what he basically was doing when he mm-hmm. made uh, the big proclamation in, in in front of the press yesterday was, come on, dudes, let's have a little fight left in us. It's that team. Remember that team? And, and I get it. He is trying to, to, to basically get them to get fired up against the, their, their rival. And now he's backtracking and apologizing. Yeah. That's strange. Strange. Very strange. You want to hear yeah. what's strange before we hit our high yeah. five and low five? Yeah. Guess who's starting under center for the Cleveland Browns this weekend? Well, I think Joey, with his AARP card, says I am t- entitled to a rest. <laughs> I am entitled to a rest because we've already locked up the number five seed Can't in the move AFC off of playoffs. It. So instead of P.J. Walker with DTR on IR, Jeff Driscoll will start at quarterback wow. for the Cleveland Browns. The great. Against the Cincinnati Bengals. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Uh, and, and look, Driscoll just keeps resurfacing. Him and Jacoby Brissett. They just keep resurfacing one way or another. That's for sure. All right, so let's do our high five, low five. And, and basically we go, did we decide if we're going good first and then bad? Is that how we decided to do this last week? All right. Mm-hmm. High I five. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. High five, low five, because I think the low five is is obviously the bad, so we get to take shots at them. We did those last, last week. All right, so let's get it rolling. We talk about how bad those teams are. Jacksonville, are they in any one of these piles? All right, we'll start with Mia, who last week had the Broncos clocking in at number five as the number fifth worst team in the NFL. Panthers four, Chargers three, Washington two, and the Cardinals one. 
Yes, uh, I am sticking with the Ravens at number one. I know you're very surprised. I'll worst, go. worst, oh, worst. Oh, oh, worst. Yeah, worst. Oh, we're doing worst. Oh, mm -hmm. my bad. Sorry, sorry. Okay, well, that gets more interesting then. Um, let's begin then with my worst team, the Washington Commanders. <laughs> they are inching closer and closer to what could be a incredible redemption story arc of a rebuild if they are to, against all odds, secure the number two overall pick, have Chicago keep Justin Fields, not trade the house for number one, or perhaps there's a camp in which Drake May goes number one and Caleb Williams comes home to the DMV area. Mm -hmm. um, that would be quite the redemption arc for the new ownership in Washington. I'm kind of rooting for it because it would be kind of cool. At number two, the Carolina Panthers. I loved Bryce Young in the draft process. It may be over already. When I saw him have to jump to see the coverage over his offensive line, it was the end for me. The Los Angeles Chargers check in at number three. The Denver Broncos are rustless, and they are at number four. And finally, at number five, the New England Patriots. I did say to JJ, though, asterisk, I know we're only go giving you our bottom five. But at number six, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was very, very tempted. Because, again, this is not an overall assessment. This is at this current juncture. I was very tempted to put them at number five. Because I don't think the Arizona Cardinals can be in the bottom five anymore after going on the road to Philly, a hostile environment, and getting a win, which is huge for their brand. Jonathan Gannon's having to dig his heels in now and insist that Kyler Murray is a starting quarterback going forward, even if they have a top three pick. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles have problems right now. I know it's a crazy sports-infused town. They're always going to be yelling and screaming. But the fact that the infighting and the Nick Sirianni having to defend the process just a couple moments ago there's issues in the city of brotherly love. So we'll go to Joe next. He had the Chargers number five last week, Cardinals four, Patriots three, Washington two, and the Panthers number one. Yeah, I didn't really feel like moving those top two as far as bad goes, but you know, going to the Philly argument, and they threw a stat up earlier today. If you take a look from week 13 on, they are at the bottom like second to last in points per game given up. It is a big, big number. And as a result of that, I've got to take my Cardinals. Actually, I can't call them that, but I take the Arizona Cardinals off of the low five because they were trailing in that game 21-6 to and came back and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. So the cards are out of my bottom five. Congratulations, Kyler Murray. you finally done something. Uh, but I'm definitely going to keep the Chargers in there along with the New England Patriots in there. And I'm moving the New York football Giants in there in the low five because the Giants right now, Brian Dable doesn't know exactly what to do when it comes to his quarterback situation. Uh, went with Tyrod Taylor, tried to do whatever he could to at least kind of rally the troops just a little bit. But still, nothing is happening up there. He's going to go from the coach of the year to the low five uh, when it comes to our power rankings. And then I finish out with the Commanders and Panthers and the Panthers still stay at number one as the worst because they're the worst record. And also they let this team, who hadn't scored hardly at all, score 26 on them. So I'll go with that. All right. Last week, Matt had the Jags, Washington, Bears, Cardinals, and the Panthers number one. All right. So the low five. Mm -hmm. At this point in the season, it's totality. It's, it's totality. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's why the well, Panthers the did stay in my bottom. about to be over. Yeah, right. so. it's, yeah. it's totality. I got the Chargers at five. I got... Titans are one of the worst teams in the league. They are. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. Okay? So if this team doesn't go into Nashville and win that game, that's a classic fail. Yeah. It's it's damning. It's beyond damning. It's yeah. a classic fail. That's a bad team. They need to go in that game. So Titans are at four. Patriots at three. Cardinals at two because Joe, 
I know you like your Cardinals right now. Yeah. It's a bad team. Yeah, but they were able to come that's back and beat the Eagles, which I thought was unbelievable. Yeah, that's a team that's slip-sliding away quickly. Yeah. Quickly. And I got the Panthers, of course, the worst. The Panthers and the petulant child, uh, Tepper. Tepper uh, tantrum. Yeah. As the, uh, as the <laughs> yes, worst thank you the for that five. texture. It gave us a Tepper tantrum. I like that. Uh, Leon last week Hang had... Hang on, I haven't uh, given you my five. My high oh. five. Or oh, we, yet, none of us have. We're going to oh, break. Oh, okay, okay. All right, Leon has yeah. the Colts five, which... The, Leon has two playoff teams in his top five last Whoa. week. He had the Colts five, Chargers four, Jags three, Panthers two, and the Cardinals number one. Yeah. Um, listen, this isn't as easy as, as you when you look <laughs> There's at There's a it. lot of crap. There's a lot there. of crap out there. But you know what's the crazy thing about this? In a couple of months, in April, these teams that are in the low five will be celebrated at the draft. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. They'll be celebrated at the draft. All right? All right. My number one is I called them the can't get right. Mm-hmm. Panthers. Panthers are number one. That's a bad team. Yeah. Offensively, decent, defensively. Like you said, Joe, you're talking about a Jaguar team who couldn't, you know, get off the pot. Yeah. And they came and they, won, they put 26 points on them. So the Panthers are number one. The Commanders are number two. And number three are the Titans. The Titans are bad. I saw the Houston Texans game. They're a bad team. And you're right. If they can't go in there and win against a very fledgling Titans team, they don't deserve to go to playoffs. That's just my opinion. They don't deserve to go to playoffs. My number four team is the Patriots. My number five team is the Chargers. Bad. And the Chargers, I don't know exactly what's going to come of this head coaching search and who they're going to go with, but for them to have that much talent, which we've all talked about, mm-hmm. it is it is pitiful that they've not been able to. And they ran Staley out, so we'll see where they go from there. All right, JJ. Uh, quickly, last week I had Washington four, Cardinals or Washington five, Cardinals four, Jags three, Panthers two, Chargers one. I switched it up. I put the Panthers number one. They're terrible. Chargers two, Washington three. I took the Jags out completely. I still have the Cardinals number four, and the Patriots have made it to the number five worst team for me in the NFL. Yeah, and that's where Belichick is at right now. He's in the bottom. Although they've been playing hard. They've been playing hard, and they're two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Jets this weekend, and I tend to believe that they will defeat the New York Jets in what could be Bill Belichick's final game in New England. Yeah, because they were a double-digit dog and were losing. I think it might have been, I don't know, 13-and-a-half, 14 points, whatever it was, and they ended up closing that gap with a couple of scores late, and they picked off Josh Allen. All right, so let's do our high-five coming up here in just a second. You guys can let us know the stinkiest teams in the National Football League. Hit the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, 641-1010. What will the top five look like, the high five, low five, uh, on XL Primetime versus yours? Let us know on a Golf Club of Southampton Wednesday. Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. We gave you our low five in the NFL. How about our high five? Yes, it is time for our power rankings to roll on with the five best teams in the NFL as we get set for week 18, the final week of the regular season. All right. Last week, Mia had one second. Last week, Mia had not the Broncos number five, certainly. She had the uh, Browns number five. Bills four, Dolphins three, Niners two, and of course the Baltimore Ravens number one. Well, I don't want to bury the lead since I already said it in the opening segment of the one o'clock hour. The Ravens are one, but let's go to five. I do have the Dallas Cowboys at number five. It was tough to put them there given the asterisk, given that the Detroit Lions are putting up signs around Motor City, Motown saying that they're 12 and four, not 11 and five. But at the end of the day, you are what your record is, and the Cowboys have a very good record. 
At number four, the Cleveland Browns already locked up the five seed. Kevin Stefanski should be the runaway winner for coach of the year with all due respect to D'Amico Ryans. At number three, I have the Buffalo Bills. It wasn't pretty. It was gritty. That's been the story of their last two, three weeks. But I think they have all the momentum in the world headed to Miami for the AFC East showdown championship, whatever you want to call it. And I think that now with the loss of Bradley Chubb and some other key players banged up for Miami, I think the Bills, early pick to win that game, maybe even make it all the way to the championship round of the playoffs. And, of course, at number two, the San Francisco San Francisco 49ers, and at number one, the Baltimore Ravens. All right, last week Joe had the Lions in at five, Dolphins four, Niners three, Bills two, and, of course, the Ravens number one. All right, I moved stuff around just a little bit based on anger uh, and, 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 and bets. that Totally fair. Yeah, bets that did not come come through. So I've got the Cowboys fifth uh, in our in my, my power five. And, look, they did – come into a ball game needing to win it in the worst of ways. They took the Lions head on, and they they did score a win in the win column officially, but I have them number five because I don't count them as victorious Saturday night. The Bills, they did have a, a little bit of a close game against New England. We talked about the Patriots coming back on them. We talked about Josh Allen throwing some picks. I have them number four. I've got the Niners number three. Nothing wrong with what they're doing. They played the Commanders, and so I put them three. I put my Lions number two, okay, because that was the damn dub, okay? That was a dub in Dallas, uh, and uh, Brad Allen just ripped it away from us uh, by not listening. Got to be a good listener, okay? And he was not a good listener. Got the Lions number two, and I got the Ravens, uh, the unquestioned number one right now. All right, Maddie. last week had the Eagles five, Bills four, Dolphins three, Niners two, and the Ravens number one. Yeah, Eagles are out. Yeah. Dolphins out. Um, I like the Lions. Like them all. I love the way they play. I, I love the way they play with attitude. I don't care if it's 12 wins or 11 wins. It's a good team. It's going to be a difficult team to beat in the playoffs, no matter where they're playing. Road, home, doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to go with Cowboys at four, and every time I put the Cowboys in this five, something happens, and they just blow up like they typically do in a game when it matters most. But I'll stick with the Cowboys at four. I got the Bills at three because they're coming on. They're coming on. You want to talk about a dangerous team in the playoff? That will be a dangerous team in the playoffs. And the final two, of course, the Niners and the Ravens. It's almost like they're headed toward, yeah, yeah. you know, we're all headed towards the, collision the Super Bowl course. that we all know yeah. is coming. And the rest of this is just a move point. But it is the playoff, and anything can happen in that tournament, man. Anything. True. True, true. Is it true that the Bills, if the Bills lose to Miami yeah. and then the Steelers win, the Bills are out. Is that true? It, it's basically. Is that a, all that has to happen? Yeah, a de facto <clears throat> AFC East game, and then if they do lose and the Dolphins win, I'm just looking at this to make because sure. Because the Steelers, the Steelers play have to win. backups. Yeah, and the Steelers, well, they, they I don't know that they're backups. No, can, I'm saying the Steelers will be playing against backups in Baltimore. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, but that's what I'm it's saying. Aren't so they're they're going to be favored to win, and then the Bills could easily lose to the Dolphins on yes, the road. Yes. Like that, That'd be crazy for the Bills to not make it to the playoffs at this point. They're not losing that game. I'm just saying it yep. could happen. Not a lot has to happen. All right, Leon, Eagles last week, number five, Bills four, Niners three, Dolphins two, and the Ravens were his number one team. Well, Joe, I, you know what? I, 
almost put your lions in there. Ah, you did. Oh, you left them almost. Out. I, I left them out you because got the big L on their head. Yeah, because you know I I, I saw what I saw and it oh, was an L. You can't unsee Dan you Campbell going for it three times. You know, son of a there gun. was a lot of saliva coming out of his mouth too. Was <laughs> yes. a lot of saliva, a lot of and you know what? But real quick, he has become a bit of a crier. I look, yeah, I'm yeah. emotional. I understand it. Yeah, but I feel like he's going to break into tears on the sideline. <laughs> I know. Every time in the press, it looked like he's going to yeah. break down. But yeah, but I almost put him in there because uh, that, that was just a tough loss. But I got the Browns at five. I absolutely had the Browns at five. I, I like the Browns. You're talking about a team that used four quarterbacks and they still won 11 games. See, that's Gotta what I'm talking about. Figure it out. What did you say, Matt Ryan? Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. I know they have. You just call him Matt Ryan? That's I fine. did call you Matt Ryan. Matty Ice. Matty Ice. Yeah, there you I go. Mean, there you go. Matty Ice. So, uh, yeah, I got the Browns <laughs> at five. At number four, I got the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I was hesitant in putting the Cowboys in. It's kind of like Matty Ice. Mm-hmm. I, every time I put them in the top five, they disappoint right. me. They yeah. disappoint me. Yeah. And they got the Commanders. What? They got the Commanders uh, this this game? Yeah, yes. they finish out against yeah. them. If they lose the Commanders. It's a rivalry game, though. I'm done with it. A I'm rivalry done. game. Rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> commanders are terrible. Uh, like any no, game in the NFL is a rivalry game. That's true. There's no JVs, like <laughs> Coach Campbell says. No <laughs> JVs in there. Number three, I have the Bills. I have the Bills. It'll be, it will be a shame that the Bills – they lose to Miami and Pittsburgh when they're out the playoffs. All this that all this ho hum that we've been giving them all mm-hmm. these last couple of weeks. I mean, because this team started what five and five, and they are where they are right now. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, right? yeah, it pretty is true. Good. Given it what is. they had to go through. Absolutely. So I got the Bills at three. The two I've got the Niners in um, number one. L Boogie, go ahead and give him the MVP. Yeah, they're, he is. They're, 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 listen, there, there's no way the Ravens teams of the past, but mm-hmm. they're pretty damn close. Well, we'll see in the playoffs. We'll see. You're right. Because L. Boogie had the, he when he won the MVP, they were the number one seed back then, and the Titans came in and got him. It's over. He's the MVP. He's oh, the yeah. MVP. oh yeah. I think he's like oh, a minus yeah. nine thousand favorite, yeah, which is it. sort of stupid, and it sort of shows how like prisoner of the moment we all are. Because just two weeks ago, I mean, Purdy's had a Purdy was the favorite, mm-hmm. right? And so now, not only is he not the uh, even close well, to the favorite, you have to pay like. $900 to win $100 well, here's the on thing. Lamar. Here's the thing. There was, a, there was a title fight between yeah, Purdy and one Lamar. One guy won. Knocked him out. We knocked him out. Yeah. All right. Last week I had my Chiefs still at number five, Dolphins four, Niners three, Ravens two, and I had the Bills number one. I had to move that. The Bills have been struggling the last couple weeks. Um, I have the Ravens number one. I still have the Chiefs number five. Um, Pacheco looked great. I love having him back for them. The Cowboys four, Bills three, the Niners two, and the Ravens number one for me. All right, there we go. Those are our high fives and low fives in the National Football League. And you can definitely join in in the conversation. You can go to YouTube, search 1010XL, offer up a thought there, or hit the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures because you're looking at these teams that, you know, it's closing time, and some have earned the benefit of not having to worry about winning on the final Sunday, final Saturday or Sunday, that they can just go ahead, put their feet up, and let it just roll. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, do they want the Steelers to get into the postseason? Do they like Probably the idea? Probably, yes. Yeah. Do they like the idea? Over well, yeah. the Bills? Hell yeah. Well, yeah, they'd say it's our rival. We don't like them, but we know we can beat them. And so that's basically how you have to look at it. And You start taking a look at the other ones that are still alive and what the, the possibilities are. That's what it comes down to. Uh, this final NFL weekend, which is just going to be awesome. Think, think about where this this franchise was. They were eight and three after eleven games, six games to go. Yeah, and now they have to win the last week. Yes, of the season yes, the and it's 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 uh, a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> it's certainly opposite of what we experienced a year ago because they had to win them all down the stretch, and they were able to do so. 
But now, after kind of spiraling out of control, you know, they, it's like this is diehard. Bruce Willis looks like he's about to die. All of a sudden, he catches the edge of that, you know, that building and hangs on for life, and then he's got a chance to save Yeah, but did they pull the, the stick and the plane up quick enough? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't because, know. We're going to find I mean, out. They were. Yeah, they were. Oh, yeah. They were nosediving. Damn. That's for sure. Mm. And so now they've at least got a chance to, uh, to right the ship against the hated Titans. By the way, we will have a watch party with E to the T. He will be at Top Dog right there on Old St. Augustine Road. Bud Light hosting it. E's hosting it. And you know what I was told? I was told by Augie Bush, my Augie Bush, that there is a Christian Kirk autographed jersey that might be up for grabs. So we'll be telling you all about it, but make plans Sunday with a 1 o'clock kick to head over to Top Dog on Old St. Augustine Road with E and with Bud Light. All right, so all of our fives are in. High five, low five. We got some college football talk. We got Geo coming in with the Bari breakdown. We'll do that coming up on XL Primetime. Our next guest is not affiliated with the NFL or Jacksonville Jaguars. Discussion of injuries is solely based on opinion. Now, the Bari Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Injury Breakdown. I'm coming in. Geo is in the house. Happy New Year, Dr. George Bari. Happy New Year. 2024. Yeah. Are we going to get a little more? Huh? Out of you? Out of me? I know what we're getting in 2024. I give you all I got, Joe. <laughs> this is why you watch on <laughs> YouTube. <enough. laughs> we uh, we literally had a live Dr. Bari demonstration just now during the commercial break, uh, and Joe is now rocking it's, some new uh, apparel. It's yeah. so funny. I, I let off breaking bones with, uh, it's not all about you. It's all about me, and I've got questions about my foot. And I made him answer several questions. Then he, he, he like, Venmoed me a bill as, as I was asking him a question. <laughs> Which because, won't get paid. Yeah, because I, you know, I had gone past the, you know, the question threshold. Uh, but not here on yeah. uh, XL Primetime. You get free medical advice. Dr. George Bari, he is fellowship trained under the renowned Dr. James Andrews. And if you have a sports injury question, look, you may have come through New Year's Eve a little banged up. Uh, you can hit the text line 641-1010. Uh, if you have a question, we'll try and fit it in now or on Breaking Bones. But, Gio, I will not take up our time to talk about my foot, but it is true that I am trying to uh, recoup, and you've given me plenty of good intel. I, I went straight to the man, and he's, he's helping me, hopefully. As Mia said, I'm trying to get this boot on and get all set up. All right, the AC joint is the number one topic uh, among Duval football fans, uh, and it's the severity. As a matter of fact, we had a question on Sunday morning. The severity of the AC joint, how can you tell – how severe that was yeah. with that fall for Trevor. Well, Moore. you can tell based on x-ray because there's definitions yeah. uh, based on radiographic findings, mm-hmm. one to six, but one, two, three are the most common. And so one is there's no really change on x-ray. It's just tender. Two is about 50% less in height. And then three becomes 100% difference compared to the opposite side. Mm-hmm. So you can tell on radiographic findings and, and see what grade it is. It's, Trevor Lawrence was grade one. They didn't mention any x-ray findings that were positive. So it sounded like it was just a pain threshold, which is what grade one is. Um, and, you know, he obviously didn't play. Right. In my opinion, if it was a playoff game, he probably would have played. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, I think he got to rest and we won, which was great. But that's how you can tell based on x-ray findings. Mm-hmm. What do you make of him not throwing until today since December 24th? Is that pretty standard protocol? And will he be able to ramp up in time for Sunday? I, I think he'll – the ramping up in time is, depends how he feels. Um, not throwing, I think, is fine. Anyone that has a grade one, if they're hurting, we always say shut it down for a little bit, give us some time to rest. And I think, um, you know, him taking the week off is fine. I don't think it's that alarming. Now, if he starts to throw and then backs down again and doesn't throw again, then we're going to have a problem. But I think him not throwing for, you know, six days, seven days is okay. 
and then ramping back up. Okay, so the core injury with Christian Kirk. Quick quick return, no doubt about it. What, like, so what allows someone to come back more quick than others? Like I remember when Bosa had the core injury in, in college, he literally shut it down halfway through the season and yeah. didn't come back. Yeah. Well, uh, one, how bad is it or how big of a tear? Two, how do you feel, right? Not everyone recovers the same. Some people have issues, complications. They're in more pain than others. They're more, more swelling. And, and so there's a couple variables there. His is definitely a little quicker than what they, I think, mentioned earlier on when it happened. Um, but you have those two types. It could have been a small tear mm-hmm. that they thought come back sooner, or you could have a big tear that n- definitely needs to heal and uh, reintegrate in a longer period of time. Right. And the one thing that we're thinking about, we're talking with Chris Kirk, Christian Kirk with his 21-day window reopened, and I think we have seen a lot of Jaguars in particular that as soon as the window to get back in and be allowed to practice as soon as it's open, they're back on the practice field. That might be just a little too crazy to think with Christian Kirk unless it was a mild tear. Yeah. Again, we're guessing here. Yeah, we're, we're assuming things, um, but it still requires surgery, still needs time to heal, whether how big or small it is, right? But obviously a bigger tear usually, like in anything, a rotator cuff, right. uh, a massive tear, the rehab starts off slower in the beginning uh, than a small tear. So you definitely – there is some change in speed of, of rehab uh, with, with smaller tears compared to a big one. Let's get to the Titans. Will Levis suffered a high ankle sprain, I believe it's now three weeks ago. He missed the game from two weeks ago. And then this past Sunday against the Texans, he injured his other foot. And it's a foot injury that he is saying and telling reporters literally just moments ago that he considers annoying, but he's pressing to play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. When you have a high ankle sprain on one foot, and then you got a foot injury yeah. on the other. You you probably shouldn't be playing. I mean, it's <laughs> your balance is going to be off. You know, you're just you're not going to be running right. Everything's going to be off, right? I mean, now you have both limbs affected. We always say like when you have an ACL tear and you do and you fix the ACL and then you re-tear that same side, you try to take uh, something from the same leg because yep. you don't want to hurt both legs. And he has both legs injured. Uh, I don't. You know, we don't know what his foot injury is. It could be just a minor tweak, but. On the surface, when both feet are injured, it's probably not a good thing for you to go out and play. So you talk about this all the time, that a player has to be able to protect himself out there to play. That's got to be the number one thing. Can Kirk, can Lawrence be in position to protect themselves out there? I mean, uh, look, a, a wide receiver is going to – depends what what kind of position they put him in, right? You're going right. to run across the middle and have to extend out. That's one thing. Or are you going to run towards the sideline and, you know, and, and then dip out once you catch it? So – I think they, they can put him in plays to have less chance of getting hit hard. Right. Um, so it just depends on that. And then the quarterback is the quarterback, right? I mean, that everyone's coming after you, right? right obviously. So, so obviously. that's going to be a little harder because every play, besides a running play, you're going to – someone, they're chasing you. Not like a wide receiver where you can run and you don't get hit maybe. But I guess if, if you were the team physician, you would just base it on how you feel. Right. Yeah, for 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 Lawrence, absolutely. It would just be how, how do you feel? You feel good? Go out and play. And mm-hmm. and with, what about with Kirk? I mean, that's different. His is a surgical thing, right? So I don't know what it looked like in there when they right. opened him up. Right. So that it just depends on on how big the repair was. That that's a little different story. All right, we got uh, Doctor George Barry Barry Orthopedics. You can log on and check out all that they offer with locations all over the city of Jacksonville, especially if you are hurting. And, and this is straight legit off the text line. I'm not making this up, Gio. This is straight off the text line. Um, <laughs> 
uh, it seems like every morning they're having a difficult time stretching. Is there a way to prevent my Achilles uh, from always being tight every morning? So this is not me yes. asking. So the Achilles naturally time. tightens up at nighttime because when you sleep, um, your foot, your, your, what we call plantar flex, so your foot points down, and then okay. you go to walk, and it stretches it. There's night splints you can wear. They sell these on Amazon over the counter. You put mm-hmm. them on at night, and it keeps your foot uh, pointed up or dorsiflex, what we call. So it keeps the Achilles stretched. Mm-hmm. Then you can stretch it throughout the day with your knee straight and your knee bent. You do them both ways on a on a chair or I mean a step or anything. But really, nighttime is very common to tighten up in the morning uh, when when you wake up. So a night splint, if it's really bad when you wake up, a night splint, uh, a night dorsiflexion splint, what we call it, can help that. Mm-hmm. There's one more off the text line. Uh, I am 60 years old, and I am bone on bone in both knees. I tried PRP treatment. It didn't work for me. Is it time to start thinking about surgery? So once you get bone on bone, all these shots, cortisone, PRP, stem cells, the chance of working become very small, if anything, and they're only going to be temporary. So usually when you when you get an x-ray and if someone's bone on bone and they request a PRP or a stem cell, the explanation is, look, it's most likely going to be a waste of your money. You can try it if you really want to do it, mm-hmm. but the more severe you are, the less this is going to work. So just based on bone-on-bone bone and a PRP not working, I would say yes. If it's affecting his life that much, it's time for a knee replacement. Uh, one more. Bradley Chubb, torn ACL. Again, every time I look at these, just to present them to you, Miami Dolphins defensive end, and he's on a scramble play trying to get a guy to the ground. He is two feet away from him, and you see it happen non-contact, but the leg locks up, so another torn ACL in, in non-contact. I mean, that, that's how they are. 70% of ACLs are non-contact, right? So it's seven out of every 10 people who tear their ACL, no one's going to touch them. So yeah. that, that's the most common way to tear it. Yeah, and it just really sucks for them because we were mentioned in Miami and Buffalo, basically in AFC East, they take the division, whoever wins this bad boy, and now they're without him. Savian Howard's also hurt, so – Definitely not a good thing. All right, we've got Breaking Bones Sunday morning, 7.30, as we lead you up to the where the kickoff to the kickoff show with the Sunday 1 o'clock kick. Jags playing for the AFC South title. You can check out Breaking Bones Sunday morning at 7.30 or? Uh, Apple, Google, or Spotify, or 1010XL website. Just go there and check it out if you want to check out some Breaking Bones in, intel, some knowledge as the doc drops it on you. Gio, thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. All right, so he's heading out. Uh, he's going to look at this walking boot and see if I have it put on properly. It doesn't look like I do right now, though. Uh, <laughs> all right, Big Surce is about to head out. So when we when we convene tomorrow and we're a day closer, uh, what what is the intensity <clears throat> level? Because it's back on the practice field today, mm-hmm. and then tomorrow, game plan, install, or whatever, yeah. getting ready for the Titans. Well, I mean, it's Wednesday, so uh, the first day back to practice. practice. Um, the intensity level should be at playoff mode because mm-hmm. this team is want to go home. Yeah, that's essentially what they're playing for. They they they're playing for their right to play in the playoffs. So I mean the 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 the, the intensity, the 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 attention to detail, the execution has got to be flawless in practice because I'm a firm believer what you do during the week is how you play on Sunday. So I mean the ex and and it's not it's not only the coach's duty to make sure the players are playing at a high level in practice. It's the players. Mm-hmm. If you want it bad enough. Uh, you 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 won't settle for drop passes or missed tackles or missed blocks and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes the, the the players have to be your worst. Sometimes your teammates have to be your worst critics because if you're not getting it done in practice, let it be known. Mm-hmm. Let, let it be known. Nobody nobody wants to be home. I think. I think all this whole team wants to be in the playoff. They got that playoff feel last year and how much they enjoyed it. 
they should want to be want to go back this year. So uh, they got they got to beat the Titans like this is a playoff game, in my opinion. And Josh Allen's stress last week was the best week of practice they had this mm-hmm. entire season. I know Dwan Smoot said that as well. And Doug told the team today, he said, look, you have to view it as a playoff game. You have to view view this as the only way you're going to make the postseason. And then he chuckled and he said, I know, it's crazy, but this team, they feel like, as in the Jaguars, they feel like they play better when their back is against the wall and no one is giving them a chance. Well, well there's another thing that I'm glad that this team has having to endure is the fact that the, the Texans and the Colts are good. Because initially, when this season started, yeah. we thought that they were going to cakewalk through the AFC South. We thought they were just going to run the table and it was going to make an easy ride. No, that they, they these teams winning week after week when the Jaguars kept them on their toes. Now they're essentially in. They like you said, their backs up against the wall. They've got to come out here and win this game or they go home. All right, Big Surge, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. You got it. And you are out the we, door. Uh, send you out the door during the break. I'm going to show you this video, and then we're going to play it because. I'm telling you, this last 48 hours or 24 hours, I should say, of Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. has been nothing short of just stunning. Now he's at being asked about this report that there's some disagreement between he and Rand Carthen and mm-hmm. could there be trouble in paradise? Does yeah. he want to be here? We'll play that sound coming up at the 2 o'clock hour because now Mike yeah. Vrabel all of a sudden just looks like this defeated man. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, suck it, Mike Vrabel. Uh, AEW tickets. JJ, you've got them, and they are coming back to town next week. Yeah, January 10th. They will be here 730 at Daly's Place. I have a pair of tickets to AEW Dynamite Rampage, so be car number four right now at 641 This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. The clock is just about to strike 2 p.m. here in the Eastern Time Zone on a Golf Club of Southampton Wednesday. Mio, O'Brien, Matt Hayes, Joe C. trying out the, uh, Got the, boot. the new boot on the ankle. How's it feeling? Uh, you know what? It, it's As far as pain goes, it's a good pain. Uh, because all the other pain has been really bad. But anyway, this is uh, a walking boot, and, and Matt has gone through the Achilles uh, uh, revival, so he knows it as well as I do. But anyway, uh, between Geo and the Matt Intel, I'm going to get better, I hope. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> I've become a bit of a whiner. I think we all know that. But now at least I have this boot encapsulating the uh, the hurt area. Well, thankfully, I don't think you're in as much pain as Mike Vrabel. Uh, here he was earlier when asked about the reports that there could be some, mm, I don't want to call it a fight or infighting, a divide between Rand Carthen, the general manager in Tennessee, and Mike Vrabel, and does he want to be in Nashville with the Titans? Be here as long as we can win and long as we can, you know, do this thing. And it's uh... – been great but it also has been you know, just just frustrating this year nobody nobody wants to be where we're at um, you feel you know for the players you know haven't been in that situation those guys are out there selling out and uh yeah you feel for them when you look out there on the field and we're not you know we're not winning or it's pretty obvious but i i, I try i'm trying to figure out obviously there's reporting up there in Nashville that there is a divide when it comes to opinion on how the team's going to be rebuilt, who you're going to keep, how much you're going to spend. And Rand Carthon coming in there 
with good credentials, is trying to basically put his stamp on that football team. At the same time, Mike Vrabel's just trying to coach from his rear end, which is what he's done. He's been successful at it. Uh, he uses emotion and good game planning. He learned from some good ones. You know, he never coached under Belichick, but he certainly learned a ton from him playing for him. So I don't know exactly where this ends up, and, and, and I don't even necessarily think, Matt, there's a power struggle. It's just that there's visions that these two guys have. And I think Mike Vrabel's looking around going, wait a minute, why am I missing all these personnel pieces that a coach needs to be successful? Well, and he's going to lose a lot of them too at the yeah. end of the season. That's, that's well, kind of the, the deal. You look at the sum total of what they lost over a couple of years and think back to the Taylor Lewan saga where he tried to go back and sue him for lost money and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, And what they've paid in yeah. the last couple of years to people. Yes. That's another thing. They've paid Jeff Simmons a lot of money. Yes. And so I don't know exactly where it's at. More than anything else, I like the fact that there are uh, AFC South teams that are on or are unraveling a little bit because it's Duval's time to dominate this division, and they need to make sure they do it. It's like Leon said when we left, when he left, we thought, and this is me and him making our predictions. You guys were all very close record-wise. I thought they were going to run through this division. Now they've got a chance to sweep Tennessee. They did sweep Indy and they split with Houston. So there's still a 5-1 and one record that is you, at stake. So they've still done their job in this division, but they need to dismantle it. If you're looking really strictly at, at what they did this year, I mean, take away the Ravens and the Niners because those were just – I mean, th- those are games that they just got whipped, okay? Mm-hmm. But should have beaten the Bengals. Without that holding call, you beat the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Could have beaten the Browns, all those turnovers. You win those two games, you got 11 wins right now. You're going to the, you're going to the Titans game with a chance to win 12, and which is where everyone thought they would be. Right. I'm not making excuses for them no. because they played poorly in the month of December, really poorly. But that's how close they are to being right where we kind of all thought they were going to be. And if anything, I would say the Ravens game, they had more of a fighter's chance, at least in that first half. It was right. a three-point game heading into the fourth quarter compared to the Bucks game, which is the one I throw out the window as the anomaly. Things just got wonky from basically the jump. But speaking of the Jags, Trevor Lawrence is indeed on the practice field as we speak, although he did not throw during the open portion of practice today that reporters could watch. He was on the field. He had his red jersey on, mm-hmm. had some semblance of pads on. So obviously that is good news. What's even better news is – I'm watching a video right now from our friends over at the Florida Times Union of Christian Kirk out here running around, catching the ball, making a one-handed grab in his first day back on the field since his 21-day window was open this morning. Again, not confirmed that he will play on Sunday. Doug Peterson stressed it will be a gradual process. But seeing the way he's moving right now, that's obviously a good sign, regardless of who the quarterback will be on Sunday. Well, if if you're feeling like, you know, the vibe needs to be real right now, and the urgency needs to be there, and every detail needs to be, you know, basically played out in their mind. And that means more intense meeting rooms, maybe a little more intense practice or walkthrough, however you want to describe it. Uh, but, you know, this is Doug's time to shine, okay? Remember, he said he saw all of this unfolding last year that they were going to play for the AFC South title against Tennessee and beat them, and all it, it all came together. It was all great. But now, with all the hiccups that they've had, they need to clean things up. And we mentioned Philadelphia earlier. Since week 13, they're giving up a ton of yards, a ton of points. And you start to look around and, and you see the struggles that they've had offensively. They, they got A.J. Brown flipping out right now over not getting the football. Well, it hadn't been that bad here, but you had Trevor that looked a little bit like a turnover machine. You had injuries with guys going down. 
and you had an offense that all of a sudden screeched to a halt. They still need to figure out how many how many first half touchdowns have they had in the last three games? None. Is it none? Yeah, because they right. they no, didn't score right. until yeah. they didn't score until I'm thinking about ten minutes to go in the third quarter. Maybe even against a the bit. Ravens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, against the Agnew touchdown. Yeah, that would be the last because they didn't score. No, C.J. Beathard. I thought threw a touchdown. No, they 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 kicked field goals this yeah, it was week. Nine nothing halftime. No, 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 against the Bucks. Yeah, no, they didn't score until the uh, he did score, but I'm talking about first half touchdowns. Oh, first half. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, nope. they are they're a goose egg for for ninety minutes of first half football. 90 minutes of first-half football, they're a goose egg. I mean, the goal is is to not be in the second half of that game in Nashville and have it a close game. Yeah. Because that's so when funky can happen. Quick start. There's no room for funky right now in the last week of the season. Yeah, and let me just make it clear. When I say goose egg in the first half, I'm talking touchdowns, okay? Because yeah. they did go down the field this week, and they yeah. did you know, kick field goals. But at the same time, you have got to get in the end zone. That has to happen. For this football team to you know to just get back and get healthy and get believing because if they limp into the postseason, we all know what the potential is. And take a look at the playoff teams that they have faced. All right, they have a win against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo right now kicking and scratching and clawing to try and make sure that they get into the postseason. Take a look at the other playoff teams that they played. They did not win against Kansas City. They did not win against San Francisco. They did not win against Baltimore. Cleveland, no, they did not win. And so you start looking down the line at the playoff teams that they've beaten versus the playoff teams that they've lost to, it's got check time. It really is when you try and make sure that you get yourself back in position and get well. And how well can they get against a two-win Carolina team and a five-win Tennessee team? I don't know, but they got to get it right. So Pro Football Focus ran the numbers for weeks one through 17, and at least in the first 17 weeks of the season, we'll see depending on the result of Sunday's game, where it shakes out after 18 weeks. The Jaguars had the third most difficult schedule, again, according to Pro Football Focus, in the NFL this year. Um, You can chalk a lot of that up to where people believed the Colts and Texans would be to where they actually are. Mm -hmm. You could chalk that up to, hey, you had to play the Bills, you had to play the Niners, the Ravens, the Browns, who no one – I mean, people thought they'd be contending with Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb, Mm -hmm. but not to the level that they are. And the Bengals, although they may not make the playoffs – they still had Joe Burrow for half the year, and Jake Browning was impressive for much of the rest of it. And so I think that, and this was something that I talked to a couple people about back in November. This was after the loss to the Niners. This truth to, hey, this was the first time that any of these players, outside of maybe a few that came to the Jaguars via free agency, any of these players had ever played a first-place schedule in the National Football League. And there was going to be a learning curve from their previous seasons in Jacksonville in which you know, you're you're trying to run the table at the end of last year, and it helps when you're facing a lowly Texans team at the time, the New York Jets, right? a Titans team that was in complete freefall. And now this go-round, you had to face the AFC North in back-to-back-to-back weeks. They they have had the humbling of, of months. They really have. The only team they beat is the worst team in the National Football League. That is humbling. By far the worst team. Yes, yes, yes. And a team that we mentioned, you know, have they packed it up? Have they tanked it? Have they done this or that? Well, that was a team that I don't know how many of them have packed it in, but it certainly wasn't ideal for the Carolina Panthers down the stretch. So that's the only team they've beaten. And so that's when you get to a point where when do you get your poke when do you get to poke your chest out again? When do you get to say we've done something? And the measuring stick, the litmus test has been against 
the bigs of the National Football League, and they haven't come out on top enough. They well, the last no, time, I'm, I mean, I'm not even sure you can stick your chest out if you win Sunday. I mean, no. you win this division, which is right. important. Yeah, you definitely need to stick but, your chest out. But then. you're again beating one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. I think that's the good news. I don't think they are sticking their chest out. I think they did after they beat the Texans, mm-hmm. and then they promptly lost the next four. And yeah. I think that that left a sour taste in the mouth, at least from the vibe I got in the locker room. Uh, this team is head down, do the work. Yeah, That was the vibe I got. I had somebody ask me on a call-in with uh, South Florida Radio this morning. They were like, does it feel like the Jags will overlook the Titans? And I was like, honestly, everyone I talked to in the locker room was already talking about the Titans. They didn't even mm-hmm. want to talk about the Panthers. And if anything, it was, we have so much in front of us, we need to focus on that. As opposed to, hey, we finally got off the schneid. Sigh of relief. It was nothing about that. It was all about, we need to keep working. Yeah, and and look, I'm fired up for them to be able to do it. But let's not forget, they were all about business going down to Tampa, and they weren't able to take care of business. They made Baker look good. They made him look all like – They got annihilated. Yeah, and and so they definitely need to go out there and not only play good football, but play intense football – and it's the one question that we asked Leon throughout the course, really, over, I'm, I'm going to say over the last month, they have been physically challenged, physically challenged. Uh, and the fistfights in the you know, line of scrimmage area, they have, not, they have not won too many of them. And so now Josh Allen won a few of them this past week. Trayvon won a few of them this past week. So they've got to get back to where they're starting to do that a little, a little bit more of that again. We don't know who it's going to be. Will Levis, how healthy is he going to be? We don't know. But they got after him last time. They harassed him, and this team had an easy win against those Titans when they came into, into the bank. But up there, it's never easy up there. By the way, let me just at least say, you will, like I know we've got Duval Till We Die, Bold City Brigade, heading up to Nashville. It's one of the fun road trips that all of Duval can plan every single year because they know they got Nashville on the schedule. Uh, but young Hyla, who I, I dearly miss, she flew back yesterday. She's going to the game. Uh, with the son-in-law or the son-in-law's brother, one of them, and I'm like, you, you dang sure better represent Duval. She said, oh, don't worry, Dad. I got it. I got it. And so she will be there uh, rooting on uh, the Jaguars against those hated Titans, and we'll, we'll see ultimately how it plays out. What is the line right now? Five and a half. Okay. I wasn't kidding when I let off the show by saying Mike Vrabel went on that monologue yesterday, and the line moved from three and a half in favor of the Jaguars to five and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well – I know that they're looking at Trevor getting back out there, getting healthy. The odds makers are certainly factoring that and factoring in uh, who's available on the Tennessee side, all that stuff. That's a so, big number, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a big number. All right, well, jump in on that. Six four one ten ten. If you think five and a half is too much or whether you think they're going to be able to finally put a number on them, you're heading down the locker room. Yes. Uh, and so we'll at least get a little bit more. Trevor's already spoken, but you'll be able to talk to a few of the other guys as far as what they think the vibe is from him. That's going to be on the social channel, so check it out, 641-1010. You can jump in here or keep an eye on everything that's coming out of the locker room with Mia as we charge on. Let's get back to the college football world. We were talking about a world without Jim Harbaugh and maybe Nick Saban. We'll set that back up coming up on XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Two o'clock hour, cranking along. Hopefully everybody's having a good Wednesday. Golf Club of Southampton bringing you today's show. Don't forget, you got a great golf course. That's number one, but also Thursday night trivia where you can go and hang out, bring the team. You also have Friday night under the stars music on the patio. 
You definitely will love that. Different menu item, local artists featured every week. Check it out at the Golf Club of Southampton. Maddie's JJ, give me a that real quick. Oh, here we go. <laughs> that just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Seth McLaughlin, I'm mm-hmm. sure High Tide in the South Side is going to be very happy about this. Oh. The Alabama center, Seth McLaughlin, he of the rolling the snaps back all season to Jalen Milrow. Has entered the portal. <laughs> Good night now. Imagine how much grief that cat's getting on social media. Uh, he's getting clobbered. Uh, and and it, this happens all the time when you come down to the biggest of ball games and, and you could use uh, Mr. Wilson, uh, uh, another guy as an example, on the other side when it looked like he was going to make a mistake that might cost uh, his team the ball game. Well, this guy definitely probably is public enemy number one. Uh, for Bama fans. Who is the worst sports goat of all time? Ah, that would take some thought, but there's plenty of them. You know, the top you of the list is – You don't mean greatest of all time, right? You mean No, goat. like what goat like, used to mean. Like an actual goat. The yeah, guy like who is – Bill Buckner is uh, – Number know, one. Yeah, would be the biggest example. And you think of Norwood missing his field goal when the Buffalo Bills yeah, had that game. Yeah, maybe he's 1B. Against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. That's That's a big one. Uh, and I'm sure if you started thinking about it, you could go down the list of, of others. Uh, Nick Anderson missing free throws uh, that were costly. Yeah, my favorite was J.R. Smith for getting the score. Oh my gosh, uh. so classic. <laughs> so he couldn't. You know, I don't. It, it was just, and it and it worked out. But at the same time, oh, so it, it did work on timeout yeah. Yeah. in the uh, national championship. Yeah, game. Weber. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, classic. That you know, So there definitely have been some, but Wilson was the guy who made the block that didn't need to make the block, and it looked like it was going to be trouble. And then he made two great catches in that ball game. All right, so fire up the Modelo music. It's our uh, Modelo look at the college football playoff. They are the official cerveza of the college football playoff. And uh, I know I was sipping on some. Uh, Leg up, pint up as I was watching the college football playoff. Pinky up? Yeah. yeah. Are you a pinky up guy? No, this is like like, – like hang this, 10 guy. Yeah, this is the only time the pinky's up is with the hang 10. But if you notice this, watch this, JJ. The hang 10, oh, you can see it on YouTube. Ooh, that's what it turns into. You see what I'm saying? That's how you grab Curls. a mug. All right, college football playoff. The the odds right you now. You don't drink out of a mug. You drink out of a yeah. bottle like every other person. Yeah, yeah what about when you're getting it off, off the it. tap, though? Yeah, if you open up my – Although you are a draft guy, which is disgusting. But yeah, I love draft, draft beer. I love it all. Uh, but if you open up my the freezer portion of my garage fridge, inside the fridge you have multiple flavors. But then you also have chilled glasses that you could throw a koozie over or or. See, Matt know. just doesn't understand. Yeah. Like a comment right. like that, like yeah. all draft beer is disgusting. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. On, what, that's an amateur it's thing. It's just to so say. hoppy, yeah. man. Love it. Th- some beers taste better off draft. Yeah. It's you don't even realize it. Awesome, the way you infuse just an extra little bit of flavor with that. CO2. Lots of science that goes on with this, yeah. Matt. Exactly. Really. So much science. Exactly. All right. So, we look at the odds. Let's hit the odds right now for Michigan and Washington because you're talking about two football teams that maybe people were a little surprised 
that both of them got in. If you're just looking at odds of how many people thought Michigan and Washington would both roll into that game, we're talking small. But at the same time, you had Michigan at the top of the standings. So you got to recognize both unbeaten teams were able to make it in, and now they've got to face off and see who's going to come out on top. Who would you have installed as the favorite, Matt, once you saw these two games go final, and what would the spread have been if it was the Matt Hayes uh, bookie? You mean what just happened on yeah. Monday? Yeah. Like, in other words, this championship game set up now. I would say Michigan, Michigan Washington. I would say Michigan is probably a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're looking right now at a little bit of movement, and so it's sitting right now in that you know in that area. But I'm just curious as to how much money will go onto either side, uh, taking points, laying points, because you would this, imagine Michigan being the now? more popular team would get more bets. Yeah, and it's in Houston, just based on the fan base. Yeah, probably, uh, and the pedigree, fan base pedigree. They've now made it to their third straight college football playoff. They finally made it to the national championship game, the Pac-12. Do you recognize? Do you not recognize? So I'm sure they're going to get, if you take a look at number of bets and money wagered on Michigan, it's got to be quite a bit. What's the line right now? Uh, Four and a half. All right, so let me pull it up for you. What what advantages do you see on both sides of the ball right now? Um, Blake Corm. Yeah? That's number one. That's the number one? So I just wrote about this going in um, Saturday tradition tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So Michigan had 11 drives in that game against Alabama, okay? 11 drives. In the drives where Blake Corm touched the ball at least 50% of the time, right? they scored every drive. Mm-hmm. In the seven drives when he didn't touch the ball at least 50% of the time, it was six punts and a missed field goal. And the only reason it was the missed field goal was only a 20-play drive. Like the drives when he didn't touch the ball 50% mm-hmm. of the time, they had 72 yards. Mm-hmm. When he did, they had 286 yards. He's that's the offense for them. Uh, you know what? He can run the ball. They throw out play action. They're a different offense. It, it is real deal because the play action is so important for JJ McCarthy. I think to have a chance to where he can do his thing. JJ McCarthy hasn't necessarily made a lot of great plays. Haven't need him to. Yeah, and and Blake Corum. You want to talk about tough yards down near the goal line, the line of you know when you're trying to score six. He, saw, he was his, dragging defenders. His arms are the size of some grown grown men's thighs. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Well, he was he was dragging Bama tacklers into the end zone, and that is something that I did not expect to see. So, if they open as a four and a half point favorite, I'm just wondering whether this number is going to go up or down. Like, will it swell to five? Will it swell it to five down. and a half? Hmm? I think it goes down. I think it, because I think everyone saw what Washington did in that game. Yeah. And they saw the way Washington threw the ball. I mean, my God. There there were some of those deep throws where Penix couldn't have made a better throw if he had he walked up to him and put it right in his stomach. Mm-hmm. So and they've got four legit receivers. Oh, my gosh. And let's not forget, you know, we mentioned Rome and how good he is. But let's not forget the tight end. <clears throat> Did you see the tight end? High point of football a couple of times over defenders. And so they have got weapons. Uh, the running back also supposed to be healthy, vowing that he's going to be back and ready to go. By next Johnson. Monday night, uh, I just I like the style that we're going to see offensively from them, and then this really really good defense that Michigan's going to bring to the table. What about the other side of it? Michigan's offense, Washington's defense. A little iffy. Might be a problem for us. Yeah, yeah. That might be a problem. But well, I mean, honestly, defensively, 
they've been shaky. There's no doubt about it. They, mm-hmm. they gave up 186 yards rushing to Texas. Texas, for some reason, stopped running the ball. I think it's because yeah. the two fumbles that and were they really, were just bust off. Were big critical. Plays, yeah. Too. So, but again, I got to go back to Washington, man. They've of the 25 wins they've had under. It's at tw- they're 12, 13, 14, and then 11 last year. 25 wins mm-hmm. under Kalen DeBoer. 12 have been one-score wins, one-possession games, including the last five. I think 10 in a row this year have been 10 points or less. Yeah, the last five have been one-possession wins, last five games they played, and ranked teams. So there's something to be said about that, man. Even if they're not as good as you would expect a championship team to be defensively, right? they score points, and they're in the game in the fourth quarter. And yeah. then that's when... Uh, Dunsey takes over. That's when Polk and McMillan and Bernard, and you get all those guys in the game, and you got four guys that l- can legitimately win on the outside. Mm-hmm. That stresses the defense. Michigan, yeah. knowing that, though, will probably shorten the game or try yeah, to shorten think, the game. You would think that Quorum's going to be a big factor in this yeah, game. Yeah, because that's been their MO to start with, okay? They yeah. want to limit possession, play D shorten and run the game, the ball, yeah. play D, and then Blake Quorum, the, the part that you just put in there, not only do they need him for the play action, they just need him to clock. Yeah. Basically, run that's how, that you keep the, clock. that's how you keep offenses off the field. And so now, if we're looking at, I don't know if I have the over under JJ. See if you got the the total on this bad boy, because that's another one you're trying to figure out who's I'm which style. Fifty five and a half. Oh, yeah, sorry, I was man. I was gonna say under that. Go ahead. Fifty five and a half. Fifty five and a half. I would have said somewhere around fifty. Yeah, uh, but they think Washington's gonna. Score yeah, they think Washington's gonna score. And so then Michigan. So this is the idea, okay? Michigan puts their thumb on him, neutralizes that that passing game, gets after Michael Penix, frustrates him on and on, and the score's low. Michigan is looking at the reality that if Washington gets out and scores a few points, they're going to have to match them. Right. Now, Texas was able to match Washington. Think about that game. 7-0 Washington. 7-7 tie. Yeah. 14-7 Washington. Yeah. 14-14 tie. And they took it all the way to 28 apiece heading into the second half, and then we all know what happened after that. But that's what I want to know. Who gets out takes, of the gate? And at that point, all it takes is one missed drive, one bad play on a third and short. You punt. Washington gets the ball. goes right down the field again. Then you're trailing two touchdowns. Yeah. So, yeah, it's – it's again, I, Michigan's defense is really good. I don't, I don't think we should ever not look at that and what happened in that game against Alabama and realize right. – that's a really good defense. Okay, so here's about. what I'm fighting right now. We'll make our picks on Friday, but as we wrap this up, the one thing that I'm fighting right now is I came out of the game. I thought Saban's preparation, the month worth of time that he has, he's 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 been so good for so long that I thought he'd have something and that they would be able to take care of business against Michigan. That was the side that I was on. I was happily taking the points. What was it, one and a half uh, when we made our picks on Friday? So anyway, I was happily taking that. Well, then I come out of it, and then I see Michigan wins by a touchdown. they got to go to overtime. But that wasn't an offense that could do the things that Washington can do, okay? Alabama's offense looked clunky. Milrow looked like he was in doubt. You had every once in a while McClellan get off with some, with some big runs. But they didn't have receivers step up. Heck, uh, Jermaine Burton didn't make a catch until late in that ball game. And so I'm looking at Washington. They're going to be tough to handle, dude. Tough to handle. We'll find out. All right. So there you go. Modella with the official cerveza of the college football playoff, a look at your national championship game. We'll keep doing that as we get closer and closer to kickoff Monday night. It is XL Primetime.
XL Primetime, protected by preferred roofing on 1010XL. So we mentioned the odds for the national championship game Monday night. Looking forward to it. And we'll see who comes out on top, uh, whether it's offense or defense. I think that's kind of how I'm viewing this game with that Washington O against that Michigan D. Uh, But how about some odds for next year? Because we got a 12-team college football playoff, people. Okay? It ain't just down to four. You're not going to have odds for the select few. Uh, The many will have an opportunity to break through and be crowned national champion. What are we looking at odds? It's a little strange. It's from BetOnline, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little odd. And I'm not trying to offend the Florida State fans. Florida State is 18-1. to Mm Mm-hmm. After, again, what you saw in that Orange Bowl is your team next year. They they have with, to with DJU. Yeah, they've got three commitments from the portal right now. They'll add more. Yeah, no doubt about Mike it. Mike Norvell's proven he can yeah, do it. Yeah, but that's they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. Yeah, they sent a lot of guys on their way. All you have to do is look at the list of players that opted out and that weren't available. And you're talking about high draft picks, two wide receivers, a running defensive back. defensive lineman, yeah. critical like yeah. pieces. Yeah. Very offensive so. lineman. They've got a they've got a lot to replace. Yeah. Um they are still like far and away the best odds to win it from the state of Florida. They are at 18 to 1. The Canes are second at 75 to 1. <laughs> then come your Florida Gators at 125 to 1. All right, I don't know if you know this and Let's maybe be real, the Canes should be over there too. Yeah. I mean Neither yeah. team is going to win the national. So, uh, Ugg is on top. Right. Question solved right now. Ugg is on top with Carson Beck returning. Five to one. Mm-hmm. Any any guesses who number two is? Uh, Alabama. Milro coming back. Nick Saban. Just... Well, there's nothing wrong with betting on them. I They're would always think. up there. You I know. would. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I would put. Ohio State isn't completely certain where their quarterback no, situation quarterback, is yeah. going. Michigan, not certain where their quarterback situation is going. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Texas could be new quarterback. Yeah. LSU could be new quarterback. Why would Texas have a yeah. new quarterback? Because yours might go pro. Oh, I thought he's made that like pretty solid that he's Mm-mm. coming back. Uh-uh. All right, who's, what is it? Not yet. Bama. Yeah. Bama at 11-2. Ohio State is 3 well done, JJ. Ohio State is three <laughs> seven to one. Texas is four at nine to one. Michigan is five at ten to one. LSU twelve to one. Oregon twelve to one. Ole Miss. Ole Miss wow. is going to be good next year. Mm-hmm. He's hit the portal really hard. He's added some key players, like good players. Yeah, they're they're a fun team to watch. If you watch that Peach Bowl, it was a good game, and they got on them uh, quickly and were able to take care of business. I'd be and, shocked if they don't get in the playoffs. Shocked if they don't. Yeah, and, and that team was uh, uh, defensively knocking around Jackson Dart. I mean, they hit him uh, a bunch in that they game. They got a really hard schedule. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're going to yeah. be a good team, man. So they're 14-1. to 1. Oh, wait, they don't play Bama next year? Trey Harris is staying. No, because the he way it all stacks up schedule-wise. Jackson wow. Dart's staying. Yeah. They, they've added some – Big time players, Walter Nolan from Texas A&M. Yeah, that's some well, well, yeah, he's players. one of the big transfer gets that yeah. uh, that Lane Kiffin had. Um, Listen, then you I got already Florida State eighteen one, Penn State twenty five to one, and the Vols at twenty five to one. The the team that benefited the With most Nico. from someone opting out during the college football bowl season, the team that benefited the most was the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, because they, because they the made it they made it so easy. 
Uh, and I wouldn't doubt for a moment. I talked to the son-in-law. He's a damn Vols fan. And, and we agreed on this. <laughs> Josh Heupel basically looked at Joe Milton and said, hey, young man, I think you ought to start preparing for the National Football League. Well, wait a minute, Coach. I don't even know if I'm going to be drafted. I still think you should prepare for the National Football League. No, you should prepare. For because he wanted Nico. Like you don't Nico. want to get benched in a bowl game for yeah. a freshman. Exactly. He wanted Nico in there, and boy, did he look good. And so, yeah, volunteers are going to get some love and some dollars wagered on their behalf. Iowa, um, by the way, in that game, he looked yeah. good wow. as a runner. His, yeah, they were as so a thrower. Crappy. You know, he didn't. You know, he looked. I'm just saying. Got, you know, I'm just simply saying that the potential of that guy. And by the way, by the way, he's pronouncing his name differently now too. Yeah, yeah, I did catch that. Yama Liava. Yeah, yeah, Liava instead of Lieva. And so the other thing is, is like, how in the world are you going to pay a cat a full season to sit on the sidelines and quote learn? And then two years before he goes pro and pay him millions upon millions of dollars. I don't get it. I'd I'd have had him playing. I'd have had him playing. Well, allegedly he's making millions of millions. Allegedly. Look, based on your based on what you tell us, uh, how can he not be making I, I mean he's making what money. Scott Frost said. Yeah. I mean Scott Frost said the basic like a transfer portal quarterback and NIL Matt deal Rule. is going Matt Rule, Matt Rule. excuse me, is yeah. going for like one to two million. Yeah, yeah. a million a million and, a year. And it, and the money that was apparently there as soon as he walked on the campus. I'll never forget. I laughed when I heard it. You walk on the campus in Knoxville, Tennessee, you will get $350,000 just to step on the like soil. Like passing go. What exactly. Think, what do you think K.J. Jefferson got from UCF? Um, I think to get on the Gus What's bus, their NIL called, by the way? Do you know? I have no idea. you're given to it, aren't you? I do not Like contribute. the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Knights of the Templar. <laughs> I do not contribute. They're on their own after I paid all that money for my kids to matriculate through there. All right, real quick, we got to wrap this up. But I don't know that any other recruiting class, you gave the odds for the Florida Gators uh, way down there. What was it, 125 to 1, something in that yeah, neighborhood? 125 to 1. Yeah. Um, I don't know anybody else that has three Gatorade players of the year in their recruiting class. Okay? Boom. Like Florida. Okay, so they got that going for them. Well, I can tell you this. So 247 Sports has an overall talent indicator where they take the entire roster and do the five stars, four stars, three stars of the entire roster. Michigan was ranked 18th. 18th. Florida's 19th. Yeah, they had better coaching. Better players. I'm just throwing that out there, okay? Yeah. That's all and, I'm doing. and Washington, I don't think, has had like a top five class. In no, Washington's not even right. top 20. Yeah, years. But honestly, if we're being real here, who is the idiot that named Michigan with the 18th best group of players when they have McCarthy, Corum, remember the big lineman before he went down, those beasts on the defensive side of the ball? What idiot named that one 18th right, but of they weren't, 19th? But they weren't like five-star and four blue-chip guys. They were I'm, developed. I'm just talking about – what I saw on the football field. Yeah, I know. They're Washington's just saying 26. they're just doing the math yeah. of like where these guys yeah. were recruited. They're just doing at. They, where yeah. they recruited. Washington's twenty six. Okay, so where they were recruited. It's I not like said, a guy who just decided. Yeah, I thought no. you said. In overall. other words, it's where Over- they recruited. So what they're saying is, what happens when you get there? What staff develops players and what staff right. doesn't? Yeah, I thought you said overall talent. So that's why I was it thinking, is overall talent. Coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah okay. which is why I'm saying Michigan is fourteen and Florida's fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, four five wins out of it. It's hard yeah. to swallow. Right. I have no answer for it. Eleven I think wins in the last two years. It's a joke out of, it. of a of a of a rating for Florida, to be honest with you. All right, let's say hello to the Frangie show coming up next. Now, the two minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer.
The embedded and shredded. I've already poked the bear. I know. The embedded and shredded comes in, and now he's a firecracker. I'm angry. Stick of dynamite was just set off in the break. Yeah, uh, you start all, talking all, about those gators. And all man, Billy uh, Napier uh, driven. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, and by the way, Hayes, this is what you I can. am looking forward to the 2025 season. Yeah. As, uh, as a proud grad, you do have three players, Gatorade players of the year. Uh, in the recruiting class, I I, I will say like so you have that. if if Lagway is great in a you know I would assume it's going to be eighty five percent for Mertz and fifteen percent for Lagway if he can be great in that role if Graham and Childs if the linebackers can mm-hmm. contribute immediately and be good then yeah that's three really important you hope McCray can at least be a a valuable rotational piece in the defensive front then yeah that's four good players in your recruiting class and you know but we'll see but but it's so. It doesn't even it that that's inconsequential to I don't think he can coach yeah, in a me. game. I have just gonna no say confidence. I was just gonna say Lagway will is gonna develop really well in twenty five under Kiffin. Really well. Yeah. Well see, to me, if that happens, like I'd sign off on that right now. Yeah. If I don't know why Lane Kiffin would leave Ole Miss. He makes it's not like you're getting more money at Florida. Yeah, Ole Miss loves him. They're probably going to build him a statue. He's sitting on a team that's going to win. I agree. I was listening to you. Yeah. They're going to win. They're going to be in the playoff next oh, yeah. year. I totally Dude, agree. Yeah. He, like so said, why would you leave? I have fallen in love with Easier to man. recruit high school kids in Florida. Much easier. I've, I've fallen but, in love I with mean, the man. I mean, I still don't know why. You, so you go to Florida, and if you don't win in three years, you're going to be out. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and you do win. and Well, then, yeah, if he, I, I get all that. But I'm saying, like, at Ole Miss. It can become Georgia or Alabama. Look, I hope he. I hope he's dumb enough to take the job. I mean, I'd love to have Lane Kiffin, but I just don't know why. I mean, I I get twenty years ago why you would leave Ole Miss for Florida. Yeah. I don't. I think now the programs. Oh, I still aren't think he's stratospheric. The money part. has gone up. The visibility's gone way up. But I still think he'd leave because the money would be better and the success rate would be better. But uh, right now. If you're on the outside looking in, okay, you just dropped in from Mars, you say Ole Miss looks like a better program than, than Florida does just based on Florida results. has good players leaving its program to go to Ole Miss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so scary. So if I'm Lane Kiffin, why would I say I need to get to Florida to win? Listen, I've got my, my hottie toddy and my sip hoodie uh, ready yeah. to go, okay, at any point. All right, so what's yeah. coming up? Uh, it's going to be a – we we're going to have a fun Frangie yeah. show. We're not going to talk about the Gators much, I don't think. But uh, we got some playoff football on Sunday, boys. I mean, this is it. Yeah. I mean, this play – if you win this game, you win right. the division. I mean, that, we dreamed about these moments for a decade. Please, one day, give us this. And it's here. And, and yeah, they haven't played great of late, but they're getting healthy at the right time. Yeah. And they're going to go to Nashville, and they are going to kick – Tennessee's butt in, and they're going to win this division. Wow. And then Joe Flacco's going to come in here, comes the pom for a wild card weekend, yeah. and he's going to throw three interceptions. Yeah, I love hey old man Flacco. Wait. That's basically what needs to happen. He is getting is ready. The, is the book? It's been a great story. Yeah, flipping but Flacco. He's getting ready to have a bad ending. Is the Walker book back on now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're working on the movie. I'm yeah. negotiating with Scorsese. <laughs> All right, Hayes. All right, we'll be listening. You guys. Fired up and ready to go. And the beautiful thing about this win in your in scenario is that you win, you're in. There's no way they can get in. And that's also Joy in Whoville. Uh, we'll talk to Blaine Bishop up there tomorrow and get our Tennessee talk started for sure. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. Uh, my takeaway is you're healthy, you're playing, period. End of discussion.
Yeah. My takeaway is that you have a chance to do something up there that you haven't done in forever. You won last year, first time in a decade. Now you go back-to-back. You sweep the Tennessee Titans. Two years? Yeah. Yeah, that can happen. All right, we are done. We say thanks to the Golf Club of Southampton. Always a great golf experience. Doesn't matter what age range or what skill level you are at, you will definitely enjoy it. 287 Play, great junior program. Find out about their membership, especially as you head into 2024. Joe C., Matty Hayes, you got Mia down at the locker room, so keep an eye on the social channels on 1010XL for everything coming out of the bank. Big Sirson, JJ, we got the Francis Show coming up next.